injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride as we set sail here at Island Wing Company on Southside Boulevard. Also, Wednesday means the Kitchen and Flooring Design Center. Always a Kitchen and Flooring Design Center Wednesday. That's right across the street from where we are right now. If you want your kitchens redone, your floors redone, uh, your closets redone, your bathrooms redone, nobody does a better job than my friends at the Kitchen and Flooring Design Center. Oh, we're getting close. It's holiday time. I'm happy. Love this time of year. Did you go shopping today? I did not. I did not. I did not shop yet. One today. day closer. Yeah. It's by the way, I complained about the Amazon thing. If it if it comes down to real shopping, you kidding me? It's way too early. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I haven't even thought about that yet. So, um, been a lot to talk about today on the program. I want to talk some Jags football. Um, I want to talk about some other stuff in the NFL. Going to get to that coming up in a bit. Our Duval County Scholar athlete stops by today. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I don't know if you've heard or not, but they're coming to town this week, and I hope it's a packed house. And uh, I'm excited about uh, that, that that there will be some Cowboy fans in town. Hopefully, hopefully there will be a lot of Jaguar fans in town or at the game. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, First time in 16 years. Is that right, that the Cowboys have been Yeah, in, I mean, they, the, they the rotation. Played them, in London, played them in London. Correct. The rotation is they come here every – any NFC team comes here every eight years. Right. But – the Jaguars played Dallas and London, right? And there was it. They, I guess it was the second year, uh, in 2013, 14, uh, 14, I think. 14. Because well, the first game was the game, yeah. San Fran. Yeah, right. I think they played the 49ers in the first London game. Then they played the Cowboys in the second one. Yep. Uh, 31-17 Cowboys. Yeah. That was the week where they didn't think Romo was going to be able to play. He had yep. a broken bone in his right. back. And he was great. And he ended up playing and Played dissected great. the Jaguars. Yeah, he so. did. So, uh, But anyway, yeah, so first time in 16 years. I did years. not realize that. Think of how long, you know, where you were in your life 16 and that's years Amer- ago. And America's team hasn't been here in all that time. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And I, uh, what's the line, five now? Is it holding at five? I, I think it's actually come down to four and a half depending on where you're looking. So I, I would say four and a half to five. Yeah, the uh, Fox just had its uh, previews up. It's uh, They're promoting. And it's the lead game on Fox. That's right, top game. It's the top game. So Welcome to Jacksonville, I, Aaron Andrews. Yeah. And yeah. I see four now on one four, website. Four, wow, yeah. So, yeah. Opened at eight. I mean, that's movement now. It'll be Jaguars one-point favorite <laughs> by the time we get to one o'clock uh, on Sunday. But, but I, so, so that's going to be obviously one of our topics, one of our lead topics, uh, is it always is. Florida State, by the way, let me update this. We had asked on the air the, the, the other day, we just didn't know, they are breaking ground this week on their foot, standalone football facility. And people tweeted me, and it looks beautiful, and just like all the other ones, and good for them. you got to keep up. Yeah. You, know, you, gotta, you, can't, you can't be the one school that doesn't have one right. if you're trying to play big boy football, which they are. So we'll certainly talk about that coming up. Uh, i got a, got another thought or two coming about that. i got a thought about salary caps. Baseball doesn't have one. I'm going to weigh in on Everybody thinks all sports should should move to a salary cap, but I'm among those. I think baseball should have a salary cap. It's proven that they that they work. It's proven that they provide parity, that they keep all the fan bases involved, or certainly many more. But what if they did? What if there were no salary caps? Where would the Jags be? How good would the Jags be compared to the other teams? We'll get to it later. Not going to answer it yet. But uh, think about that for a second. Think about just for a second. If there was no salary cap. 
And Sean Conn was your owner. Just, just, just. I'm gonna we'll di- digest that for a second or two. So, spoiler just, alert: it would be a good thing. Yes, that's exactly right. It would be a good thing. So, uh, a lot of things to talk about today on the program. Uh, Trevor met with the media. He's meeting as we speak. No, no chance of Trevor not playing. You know he's going to play. He played yes. last week without practicing all week long. I thought Doug Peterson was really good with Rich Eisen when he talked about the significance of being able to do. Did you hear some of that interview? Mm-hmm. The significance of being able to do that. While not practicing, is not it's not no small feat. It's like legit, and he was able to do that. So we'll certainly talk about that uh, as well. Um, are the Cowboys significantly better than the Jags? Yes. Are they? I'll go with they're better. I don't know that they're significantly better. Their record's way better, and they've had a way more accomplished season. But I think and, the Jaguars might have the better quarterback. And I think their roster, top to bottom, is better. But because of the quarterback play, I have a hunch that's a close game. I'll probably pick the Cowboys to win. They're ten and three. They're a ten and three team, and it's a team I've said might be a super. My, they may be my Super Bowl team. But if I lost my mind thinking the Jags might beat them, well, I mean, no. Those it's, are two it's, different it's, questions. I get it. Yeah, it's the Cowboys are going on the road in December. You know that can be difficult. And uh, you know they didn't. They certainly didn't look great against Houston last week. So you wonder if you know if if have, have they peaked? Um, but from a talent standpoint, I mean they have superstars at a lot of different places that uh, where the Jaguars I think have just mediocre answers. So I mean I, I think I think from a matchup standpoint, it, it does not. It does not bode well for the Jaguars, but, you know, you guys make a good point. Trevor Lawrence is playing at a higher level than Dak Prescott. So if if he continues to play the way he's been playing, then you're not going to get, well, I mean, I say that. I guess Detroit routed him, and Trevor played, played fine. It wasn't spectacular, but he didn't get any help. You know, if this is a game where Trevor gets no help, then I guess, you know, Dallas could come in here and win big, but... Uh, you know, it feels like with everything that's riding on it and the fact that the Lions game is still so close in their rear view, I, I would think it's a close game. If, if I had to bet it on the points, I'd probably still take Dallas and give the points. But, no, I mean, I don't think – I'll be surprised if it's 34-13 to 13 Dallas. I think at the same time, too, the game Dallas is coming off of, they didn't play all that well against the Texans, and the Jaguars played extraordinarily well. So there's always that, all right, we've got to you know, ride the momentum and continue what was just happening a few days ago. And I think Doug Peterson said it today, Jaguars have to run the football to have some balance to be able to, to combat that uh, Dallas pass rush because otherwise it's not going to go well. Yeah, and I wonder if they – I wonder if that's – I don't know that I find myself thinking they're going to be able to run the ball much as we, as we come down this home stretch. Now, look, this is the best team they will play the rest of the way. Uh, the Jets have been up and down. They've benched their quarterback. That's that's on the road next week. Uh, the Texans are not very good. And you just beat the Titans convincingly. So this is the best team they will play. If the Jags win this game, if they win the game, I get a feeling the narrative moving forward on this thing will be watch out for the Jags and you don't want to get them in the playoffs. If they win this game, they're still a 6-8 and eight team. But they will have been 3-1 and one then since they're, they're off week. The wins will have come against the Baltimore Ravens on the road against the Titans and the Dallas Cowboys. Three teams that everybody still expects to be in the playoffs. That's three teams 
three division-leading teams when they will have beaten them. Well, I guess the, the, the Cowboys aren't. But th- two division-leading teams and one team that would be leading about any other division. They did just happen to be in there with the Eagles. So if the Jaguars win the game, what's the national narrative Sunday night and Monday? Oh, I absolutely think that it's the narrative will be it's a shame for the Jaguars it's not a 20-game regular season right? because they probably would run down the Titans, and they still might uh, because, again, if the Jaguars beat Dallas and the Titans lose to the Chargers, now you're a game back. You still have to play them, and I guess there is a chance that maybe does Tennessee lose another game between now and that meeting? You know, do they lose to – the Cowboys the week the Jaguars play the Texans in Houston, um, then it's like then I don't know how the tiebreakers would work out if if the Jaguars went into the finale actually a game up if they were able to gain two games in the next three then I don't know and then they split I don't know how the tiebreaker would work out um, I I would think the Titans would have it. Because the Jaguars have lost to the Colts and the Texans. And I think the first one after head-to-head is, how did you do in your division? And I don't think the Titans have lost to – did they lose? I don't think they lost to the Colts or the Texans yet. So the Jaguars probably need to win in Week 18 regardless. Right, I think. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the narrative would be that the Jaguars are absolutely a team that – I think the narrative would be – I think you're hoping Tennessee wins the AFC South if you're another AFC team in the tournament. I think you'd rather go to Nashville and take your chances with Tennessee than you would have to come to Jacksonville and battle a quarterback that's ascending as much as Trevor Lawrence is. Yeah, I think the national narrative is the Jaguars are coming for you, Titans. And, wow, this team is now very similar to the Lions team that just beat the Jaguars handily. But right now the national narrative is the Lions are hot and you don't want to play them. That would be then the narrative for the Jaguars. And the Jaguars would get so much attention because of beating America's team in the Cowboys. Yeah, I, 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 think, if, I think if the Jags win this game, they're, they're more talked about than the Lions. They're more talked about than any of the – I think if the Jags win this game because of the presence of Trevor Lawrence. If the Jags win this game and Trevor Lawrence plays well again, and by the, well, by the way, they're not going to win it unless he plays well again. But if the Jags win the – I think there will be a palpable national buzz about, uh-oh, the light went on for those guys. Uh-oh. I think there will be, there'll be uh-oh in Nashville. By the way, particularly if the Titans lose to the Chargers and now one game separates them and they do play at the end of the year, I think the national narrative, how about the attention for that Thursday night or that? If the Jags win, if the Jags win the game and they become the hot team in the league, and they and they have the Thursday night game. I'm telling you, man, this is a uh, this is a a you talk about a come of age game or a statement game. This is the biggest. We'll talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about the Cowboys in their history. I want to talk a little bit about the quarterback matchups. A lot to do on the program today. What if there was no salary cap? We're going to get to that. Some recruiting talk. A thought about philosophically about college basketball too. So we got a lot to do. We got a Duval County Scholar athlete stopping by. We're live at Island Wing Company. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey, thanks for stopping by along with Hayes Carline and Lauren Brooks and Andrew Gibson. 
I'm Frank Frangie. Ah, <laughs> uh, you, you're excited I'm now. Dancing. I saw you. Today. I saw you bust a move right there. This is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I love this song. All right, so there you go. You play this song in April, and I'm dancing. <laughs> it's Carline busting a move. Frank Frangie. It's Carline, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson. Thanks for joining us on the program. Dallas Cowboys come to town on a gigantic game for Jacksonville on Sunday. If the Jags win again, that's three of the last four. That's three and one since the break. That's wins over the Ravens, at the Titans, and the Cowboys. Everybody would take notice, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because your quarterback's playing as well as anybody in the league. But let me talk about the Cowboys for a second. Has any team of note – let me let me say this the right way, not of note. Has any historic, gigantic, branded sports team been as invisible as the Cowboys in the last – pick how many decades. I mean, the Celtics had been invisible, but they, they're in the finals last year, and they're very good this year. The Yankees, they're never invisible. We feel like they're invisible when they when they lose in the first round of the playoffs, but they're really not. The Lakers have gone invisible, but they won the thing in the pandemic year, right? The Steelers aren't very good now, but they haven't had a losing season in Tomlin's years, and they're not that far removed from being a dominant playoff team. Has anybody disappeared or been as irrelevant among the big branded teams? I mean, the Red Sox have won it not all that long ago, right? More than the Cowboys? Well, it's it's unique because I don't feel the Cowboys are invisible. We get their five primetime games every year, regardless of how good they are. Uh, so I, I feel like they're still shoved in front of us as a NFL-watching community, but they've never earned it. It's just... But it's Dallas. So, yeah. and, and they and, were good last year. They won 12 games. Uh, two years before that, they were in the playoffs and lost uh, to the Rams. They, I mean, they were they, as recent as 2016, they were 13-3 and and lost to a good Packers team, 34-31. Two years before that, they were 12-4. and It's not like they've been a bad team. This, right. We're not talking about a team that's had a bunch of losing records. They, they've, had, they've had a good football team. And they, so, but they are invisible when you get to the Final Four. Right. And certainly when you get to the Super Bowl. You know, they haven't been That's in the it. point. I mean, you take away Emmitt Smith, the Cowboys wouldn't have anything for 40 years. Right. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I'm trying to think. The last time the Cowboys won a playoff game was the year they won the Super Bowl? No, they no, recently. No, no, no. It was that for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. They, they, and then they recently right. won one. They won, won, they won a wild card game in but, 18, 14. Oh, yeah, because they made it to the division. Oh, but the Jaguars have gone to three straight, three not three straight, but have gone to the conference championship round three times. Since, Since Dallas's has. last trip to it, and that's kind of the point. Yeah. The, the point that's is, what's so shocking yeah. is Dallas has just not stood up. I mean, they're the Dallas Cowboys. This is Dandy Don and Roger Staubach and Tom Landry. This is Tony Dorsett and Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman. This is, I mean, this is Bob Lilly, man. This is Bob this, Hayes. This is Bob Hayes. This is one of the great, fr- one of the most recognizable franchises in the history of American sport, and they just haven't been. A big factor, and it's it's weird in the NFL where there's where there's such legitimate parity, where the parity's real. Wouldn't you think somewhere along the line we'd be seeing the Cowboys in a, in a, in a Super Bowl? Because we really haven't. I would. I mean, I think Tony Romo was a good enough player that you'd think you'd have fallen into one. You know, in the ten years that you know he he was a, a high level starter there. Uh, it, it just you know it, it just I think. 
what started the downfall was Jerry Jones's arrogance because it led to uh, parting ways with Jimmy Johnson. Right. It led to some really questionable personnel decisions. I, I will leap into my grave wondering why you would take Quincy Carter in the second round of that draft. He was terrible right. at Georgia. Terrible. That pick never made any sense, and it was sort of the start of a rash of bad personnel decisions that really limited their roster. They really only started to get that back, uh, you know, when uh, they they stumbled into Romo, to their credit, and then about, I guess, 10 years ago, Jerry Jones really started to invest in the offensive line, and that's where Dallas's resurrection began. They, they drafted Zach Martin and Tyron Smith and uh, I'm leaving out a guy, but they, they invested for like three straight years. Their first round pick, Travis Frederick, maybe the yeah. center, I think, uh, in the offensive line, and that led to uh, a very stable off- offensive system. Obviously, they you know they take Zeke Elliott, uh, who was a, a superstar for the, his first few years in the league, um, and, and then they they. So I think they've made better personnel decisions. I don't know if that's a credit to Jerry Jones. I guess it has to be, or his. You know, he's getting better advice. Uh, it still makes you wonder. And, and, and getting Dak Prescott, where they got him in the middle rounds of the draft, uh, was a very savvy pick. Um, but can they get over the hump? Have they built it enough to where they can be the last team standing, or at least be the last team standing in the NFC and go to a Super Bowl for the first time since? You know, I was a you know in high school. Yeah. Um, maybe this will be the year. I mean, I, I think that they've got an excellent chance. I I, I think Philadelphia is a big time hurdle, and the NFC and, and obviously the AFC champion is going to be outstanding, whether that's Kansas City or, or Buffalo. Buffalo. But uh, but it it feels like this is the best the Cowboys have been to me since the triplets. So I mean, I, I think it's I think this is the best team they've had in probably 28, 29 years. Yeah, it, I would say so. And it does feel like, though, the Eagles are still much better than the Cowboys, at least to me. And the Eagles just won the Super Bowl in 2017, fired its coach, had to get a new quarterback, and still are right back to being, I think, better than the Cowboys. And so they've been able to figure out how to develop guys, draft guys better. And, and so the Cowboys seem to – I don't think the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl. Now, maybe I'll sing a different tune come Sunday. I certainly hope not. But seeing them in person, maybe that will change what I think. But I just don't know that – I think they've still sunk too many resources into the running game versus the passing game. Uh, they have two good backs for sure. I don't know that I find myself thinking that the – I, I've, I've, for some reason, I don't sense there's great resistance in this year's NFC. Where you Brady was great the minute he got to the Bucks, well, they're no good now. Nobody in that division. The Saints were good when Drew Brees was good. They're, they're no good now. The Packers were always great because of Aaron Rodgers. They're no good now. The Seahawks, Pete Carroll made them tough. The Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson, well, they're no good now. So the, the 49ers tip, are good. The 49ers are good. And so, and look, the Eagles and the Vikings are good. I, I don't, but they, there are good. There's no question there's good teams. But the traditional teams that we're used to that, that have been the, the – that have won the lion's share of those NFC titles, they've faded. And you're right, though, Lauren. They're, they're, the, the, the 49ers are damn good. And so, are, and so are the Eagles. It just feels like to me if a team – you this would be a year if somebody came out of the NFC that you didn't expect to do it, did it. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think what's, what's going to be difficult for Dallas, too, is you are the wild card, so you're looking at the fifth seed being right. your best possible seed. So uh, assuming the Eagles get home field, they'll have the bye. Uh, so you're going to the weakest. So, I mean, it, 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 I guess in that standpoint, it's not too bad. You'd be going to Tampa. Um, I still I wouldn't want to see Tom Brady in his, in, on the road. To start things off, uh, for a team that might win 12 or 13 games, that that seems like you know not not the best situation. But I guess it could be worse because the Bucks are going to come in, you know, what eight and nine, yeah. something like that. So I guess from that standpoint, but it will be a more difficult challenge for Dallas because while the Eagles have that bye, Dallas is going to have to go on the road and take on somebody who, at the at the very least, is quarterback by Tom Brady. Yeah, and it's interesting. Mike McCarthy was on the hot seat for quite some time after Jason Garrett was fired. Now it seems like everything's roses uh, in Dallas. But if they somehow, some way, have a rough end of their season, it could be Mike McCarthy back on the hot seat. Yeah, it could. You're right. He, People if, love if, to have a coach on the hot seat if they don't get their way. You're right. And it just seems like we, it's a good point. We just blinked and he was on the hot seat. Now all of a sudden he's got 10 wins. And, yeah, I agree with you. That that. Something about that franchise, that hot seat could come back really quick. I, I, I think that's true, Yeah, too. working for Jerry Jones, like Hayes said, is, is arrogant. It, if, if, he, if things don't go exactly the way he wants, I feel like he's got a quick trigger. I, I, I'm telling you, I just – but who's Mr. Cowboy to you? Emmett Smith. Emmett's Mr. Cowboy. How about you? Who's, who's Mr. Cowboy to you? It's Emmett Smith with probably Aikman second just because of my generation. Gibby, who's Mr. Cowboy to you? You know, I would probably say Emmett Smith, but I would almost say Roger Staubach, too. Yeah. Staubach – Clearly for me, but again, that's an age thing. You know, we're, we're all you know, but I mean, I mean it's it's very clear, it's very clear for me that it is uh, that Roger Staubach. But I wonder if it's Emmett. Would Emmett get the nod from younger Cowboy fans over Aikman? You think? I think. Do you, do you, I mean, we're Florida based, so maybe that's why we think it. But, but remember, I, I mean, I guess it depends if you watch. Maybe not if you didn't. If you weren't alive in the era, I mean, no, no, but, but I mean in the same era. I mean, Aikman and Emmett or Irvin are in the same era, so right? Right. We're, we're, but I'm saying, like, for a fan that, like, a 25 year old Dallas fan right. didn't watch those teams, right? So maybe the 25 year old would think Aikman because he's present. Because he's present. Yeah. Correct. But if you watch that team, I don't see how there's any way that you couldn't put Emmett over Aikman. Emmett Smith was the ultimate warrior. I mean, the things that he played through, uh, I mean, he is, he's, he's the NFL's all-time leading rusher, yeah. and he's underrated. Yeah, and, and, and he's, the, he's the NFL's under, all-time leading rusher when, and he played in an era when they didn't run it as much. You know, I mean, they, they, the passing game started in the 80s, you know. So, uh, no, no, I, I, I don't know. I guess that's probably right. I, uh, I guess, I mean, they, they were all, all three were so good, and the defense was so good, and Jimmy was so good, even though Switzer coached the last one. I, uh, yeah, interesting. For me, it's Staubach, but I hear you. If it's, if it's this generation, maybe it is Emmett Smith, and maybe I think Aikman because he's more present and he was the quarterback. But it's interesting to see what winds up happening. Having said all that, I do think, to your point, Lauren, earlier, Jacksonville comes in. Jacksonville has the better quarterback. And right now, who's chippy, which I just Yeah, love. I saw that today. He's, he's chippy. I, 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 uh, by the way, I don't think chippy's his personality. Okay, but I, I but, but if, but it, if he's going to play like that yeah. because he's chippy, by all means. Yeah, um, but I, and maybe it is. I, I don't think that. Having said all that, 
I know he's the hotter quarterback. Is he the better quarterback now? I think so. I mean, I think I, he's I, a better quarterback. I think, I think empirically, people would say that they'd rather have Trevor today than Dak Prescott. Yeah, and, yeah not and, for ten years and, today. And Who, who'd you rather have in the game? I think most people would say Trevor Lawrence. I, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. See, I do too. But and, I mean, are and we there's being no here? question if you're talking in the next five to well, ten years? No question. But are we? Are we? Because Trevor just started to emerge. Are we being the ultimate homer? I mean, uh, I'll give you a stat that says no, we're not. I, Trevor I don't Lawrence think Dak, Dak has, hasn't been that impressive. No, he hasn't. Trevor Lawrence has seven games this season with 100-plus passer ratings. Seven games this season with over 100 passer rating. That is more than Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. How about that? So, no, we're not being homers. He's yeah. been a stud I, I seven think, times this season. And I know when we go into the offseason, when they do the power rankings in the offseason, he'll be way ahead of Dak. But, I mean, right now... I thought about this coming in to do the show today. I thought, I think he's way. Be- I think he's the better of the two. But I'm a- but if I'd have said that week two of the season, I'd have looked like the biggest dummy in in the world, right? Well, I mean, I, I think it would have been premature, sure. But again, you know, I, I don't know whether Dak is is still kind of trying to get healthy, you know, from from missing the time or right. or what. But I mean, if you've thrown fourteen touchdowns and nine picks. It's not a good year. I no. mean, it just isn't. Not there's, in this there's, NFL. There's no way to, you know, to sugarcoat it. And yeah. so, uh, you know, there may be years moving forward where maybe Dak Prescott has a stronger year. You know, maybe he – but it doesn't feel like from a consistent standpoint, Dak Prescott's going to be better than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. If you put Trevor Lawrence on this Dallas team, wow. Uh, it, 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 it would – I think it would be pretty frightening. Yeah, yeah. So uh – yeah, that's a good point. So we'll see. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, more Jaguar Cowboy talk coming up. And this will do more of this next week. In fact, it'll be a lot of what we do next week. There's a couple of days next week. But I want to talk a little bit about Zach Wilson, even today. Got a thought or two about Zach Wilson. So we're going to get to that later. But let's, have, let's, let's take a break. We come back. We've got a Duval County Scholar Athlete. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Dr. Kevin Kaplan head team physician for your Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's the latest update on the Jags, brought to you by Baptist Health and JOI. Jaguars head coach Dunk Peterson met the media this morning and is excited about the week of preparation for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, well, it's a big, exciting week, you know, with the uh, type of team that's coming in here. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, both teams coming off a win. And, uh, you know, a couple days still till the game, but but uh, a lot of a lot of preparation goes into it. Peterson expects to see a great home atmosphere on Sunday. You know, it's going to be uh, I think an electric uh, atmosphere with the crowd. You know, that's expected here, and and um, you know, I know the Cowboys travel well. I've uh, been a part of these games for you know a while, and uh, they travel well. Their fans do, and should be should be fun. Jaguars Cowboys Sunday at one o'clock. I'm Andrew Gibson with your JOI Jaguars update. This 1010XL 92.5 FM hour is powered by Anajar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-FREE. That's 1-800-747-3733. Hey, and now, this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week. Brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipe Fitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL. 
We are live here at Island Wing at Southside watching the second semifinal of the World Cup between France and Morocco. We welcome in our Duval County scholar athlete and Micah Andrews from Stanton. You're hoping France wins this, right? Yes, ma'am, I am. And so since it's now 2-0 France, do you feel good about it? I do. I like the, uh, the sure aspect going into the Argentina final next week. Why, why are you a f- fan of France? Why France? Morocco's kind of scaring me. They've got uh, four wins against uh, top 12 teams right now. Yeah. So being in such an underrated team, they could come in and totally sweep it. So I like the, sh- the sure aspect of France right now. All right, very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about your soccer. Your soccer and the, on the swim team, captain of both. Tell us a little bit about both. Start about, I, I can tell you're a soccer guy. Tell me all about soccer, how you got started the whole bit. Yes, sir. So I started soccer when I was uh, three years old. Okay. Um, I've been playing ever since then. I took a little break in uh, middle school, uh, but coming back into high school, I uh, decided to try my hand at soccer again, see if I could make the team because we had a very rigorous team at uh, Stanton. Um, and it went very well. I actually uh, was uh, one of the people to make the team out of the 250 kids who oh, tried wow. out. Very so cool. Quite a bit. Um, I was really impressed that I was able to get back into it after being on, uh, out for three years. Um, but ever since then, I've loved soccer. Like It's amazing. We've got a great team, a great coaching staff. Uh, yeah. All right. And tell me about swimming. So my swim coach is actually the same person as my soccer coach, Coach okay. Fleming. Uh, so me and him have a really great bond. Uh, being the captain of that team, I really communicate with them well, uh, especially coming from both sports. Um, our swim team has over 70 kids. Right. Uh, it's a very large team, the largest at Stanton. Uh, and we're, we were state champions this year, uh, regional champions, and district champions. Uh, so it's a really great team to be on. Uh, we succeed through the season very well. Micah, do you have a favorite uh, memory, something that stands out about your, your athletic career? Yes, sir. Um, so the Hickory Point Tournament is a, a soccer tournament that we have uh, here in Florida. Uh, and our soccer team travels, travels to it every year. We're actually leaving pretty soon for it this year. Um, but in past years, it's been a really great bonding experience because it's just our team sitting in about uh, 10 hotel rooms. Uh, and we pretty much eat, breathe, sleep together. So it's amazing. I love it. Awesome. Michael, what's more challenging, swim practice, soccer practice, or studying? Uh, <laughs> my coach has kind of a uh, funny rule for soccer. If we win a game, we don't have to practice. That's typically how it goes. Okay. So we have swim practice pretty much every single day. So that gets uh, <laughs> very rigorous very fast. Uh, it's intense practices. It's two and a half hours. So I would say swim practice is uh, very difficult, but balancing with it with that studying, uh, it does get a little difficult. And you're involved in stuff away from school, too, a lot of academic or away from the classroom. Yes, sir. A lot of academic clubs. Tell us about some of those. Obviously, you're an FCA. That's a big deal to you. Tell us about that and some of the other things you're involved in. Yes, sir. So FCA is a fellowship for Christian athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am actually one of the two presidents uh, of FCA at my school. Um, we are kind of revitalizing our program. Uh, in past years, it's kind of fallen off with uh, COVID, but this year we're uh, sort of bringing it back with, I think we're at 55 members this year Very so cool. far. Um, so it's just a great uh, program. Like uh, We eat food in the mornings. We come. We do fellowship. Uh, it's a great bonding experience. We are open to all four classes, ninth through 12th. Uh, so it's a great way for some of the freshmen to meet some of the upperclassmen yeah. and the seniors um, and make some friends, build some bonds. Uh, some of these bonds have even carried out throughout of high school. So I really love the program. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Micah, tell us about the Stanton Medical Society that you're a part of, what, what that society does and how that might lead into your decisions in terms of what you want to do for a career. Yes, sir. So Stanton Medical Society is a completely student-run program. Um, basically, these students uh, find doctors, surgeons, anyone in the medical society to uh, come into Stanton and uh, give these lectures. Um, and as a bunch of students who are interested in going into the medical society, uh, it's great to be able to sit there and listen to someone who's been in this career for a while, who's uh, done all these things that we're looking to do in the future. 
Um, and for me personally, I would like to go into pre-med vet sciences in the future. Um, so being able to sit there and listen to someone who's doing this career that I would like to do in the future, um, it's great for me, especially uh, trying to build my uh, what I'm going to do in the future uh, going into senior year. That's awesome. And you're hoping to attend the University of Florida? Yes, ma'am, when, I am. When do you find out? Uh, we find out in February, actually. Okay. Excited? Yes, sir, I am. What, you know, where, else, what, where else are you considering? So I've got uh, applications in all over. I've got Appalachian State. I've got UNF here in Jacksonville. I've got uh, USF, UCF, a um, bunch of different colleges. But my end goal is to be at UF. So if I don't get into UF this February, I'm going to do a year at UNF and then full transfer into UF after that year. Very cool. Well, that's exciting stuff. Micah Andrews uh, from Stanton, our uh, Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. Again, very good at soccer, very good in, in, the, in the pool, and a very good student as well. Micah, congratulations, man. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. All right. Micah Andrews uh, from Stanton is our Duval County Scholar uh, Athlete of the Week. And great having him by. He's a sharp guy, boy. He will do very well, I can promise you that much. He'll get into Florida. Oh, yeah. I, he, he, Mike is, Mike is going to wind up in Florida. I, I don't, there's no doubt in my mind about that. He has earned that, and he will be in Florida. I, I, don't, I don't doubt that for a minute, so I think that's going to happen. I think that's so great, too, people that dedicate their lives to helping animals. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and, and, and vet, veterinarians. I mean, that's just such a, you know, such an unbelievable profession. Yeah, no question about it. So, Mike Andrews, congratulations to Mike. A very well-deserved high school, alpha, high school uh, scholar athlete. Of the week. All right, a lot of things we'll talk about. We talked we talk some more NFL. We talked about the significance if the Jags win the game, and we'll stay on that as the week goes along. I'm telling you, um, this is, we talk about games where people can realize you still have a team, right? Then there's games that people can realize, hey, you know, you're not a terrible team. You win this one, and people talk about the fact that you're a good team. That's the point, right? The point is you win this one, and people talk about the fact that you're a good team. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and again, you're going to have to, you know, we all know the scars that we've gotten this year the nation may not be aware of that so be prepared if they win Sunday to hear a lot of how did this team lose to the Texans how did this team get beat by Denver in in London be ready because that unfortunately we hope those scars will heal an AFC South title would certainly heal those scars but uh but if they fall a game short man be prepared to hear a lot about uh, what happened in those two ball games that the Jaguars just simply like get away from them. And I totally agree. That would be the part of the story that, that we'd hear and try and shake off. But something that Trevor Lawrence talked about today, something that Doug Peterson talked about with Rich Eisen, and, and certainly I know he's talked about with you privately, Frank, that loss to the Broncos. Let's say the Jaguars don't make the playoffs this season. Okay. We move on. We focus on 2023. But I think the loss to the Broncos and how Trevor played in that game, how he felt after that game, after throwing the red zone pick, that might have changed the course of his of course. career. And so I, that's, I guess, the, the soft landing where I'm trying to get to is if this team is not making the playoffs this year, it still may have the long-term really good franchise quarterback all because of the scars that he's had to work through and the scar tissue he's had to work through to this point. 100, 100% that's a great take, and 100% agree with that. I, uh, you know, I thought right afterwards, and I think I said it on the Monday program, that the pick at the pylon – in the back of the end zone when he, when he should have thrown the ball away the pylon, I really believed that would be the, the turning point. Mm-hmm. That, and, I, and I don't want to be, hey, listen, remember what I said? I don't want to be that guy. But I really did think that. That's now become the narrative yeah. that, that, that that was the turning point. But, but, I, but I, I think you could almost feel it then. He's too smart to keep making that mistake. Yeah, he made it one time more than you'd like him to make or that he would have liked to have made it. But he's too, you could tell then. But I think your point's a good one. And my, my comment's going to be very related to yours, Lauren. Hayes, you're right. 
if you barely miss the playoffs, you always look at the two that got away. Yeah, that's any team. But I think this team, people understand that was part of the growth process. If you're a veteran team that's been to the promised land two or three times and then you miss the playoffs, then you really go back and look at the two that got away. But where this team is, I think people understand there was going to be a learning curve and there were going to be some growing pains. That, that was, that, that, that's cliche stuff, but it's real too. Cliches are there for a reason. And I, and I, and I, and I believe, yeah, it would be a shame you missed it, but what you gain from having learned from what happened in London, what, you, what they gained from that is immeasurable. He's been a different guy ever since. And because of that, they've been a little bit of a different team. I know they laid an egg in, in Detroit. But for the most part, they've been a different team ever since then. I, and I don't think anybody would debate that. So I, I'm telling you, I, I, you know, I said yesterday I'm not going to pick him. And I'm probably not going to pick him because me picking him against some helps. And, I, and I'm a big believer in superstition. <laughs> But the more this week goes along, I will tell you this. I'm not surprised that line came down. I'm not surprised people are starting to believe. I, would, I can tell you this. If we walk out of that stadium uh, on Sunday afternoon and the Jaguars have won 34-27 or 31-24, I would not be surprised. I would not be. I'd be a little surprised if they won 13-10. But if we walk out of there and they, and they go – they go stride for stride in that track meet against the Dallas Cowboys and score one touchdown more than the Cowboys do. I'm telling you, I would, it would not surprise me. It wouldn't. It would not. If they'd have won at Kansas City, I'd have been shocked. Absolutely shocked if they'd have won that game. I would not be surprised if they win this game. If the Jaguars find a way to win this game, the one group, position group that we haven't really talked that much about that I think is going to be the most important besides the quarterback on Sunday would be the offensive line because that Cowboys team is going to get at, try and get after Trevor Lawrence. So if he is able to have enough time to have a clean pocket, that's going to be because the offensive line did a damn good job. I agree with that. And I'll say this too. The, that whole relationship between a quarterback and his line, not just are they buddies, do they play poker together, but him knowing their tendencies, him knowing how to climb the pocket because he knows what kind of pocket they build. They know how long it takes him to get the ball out, so they know, know how long they have to hold their blocks. There's a, people don't talk about that, but there's a chemistry, man, between a quarterback and his line. There, there is. That quarterback's got to know the, 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 how long that, that pocket's going to be there and what the tendencies are of the different linemen. And similarly, the, the line has to know what the quarterback's tendencies are. When, when does he usually leave the pocket? When is he going to step up? Uh, how long? I mean... And that has been really good. I mean, for a rookie center and a second-year quarterback and a young left guard who was finally replaced by a veteran left guard and, and a brand-new right guard who wasn't even on the team before and a brand-new offense, I'm telling you, that chemistry has been really good, man. That, that, in fact, as the whole chemistry stuff goes, that's been the best as good as any of it. It really has. It's been amazing. I, I think it's an underappreciated story about how well Luke Fordner is acclimated and Again, Brandon Linder was a pretty good player, and his name never is mentioned right. because Luke Fordner stepped right in and is either, I'd say, I think he's been above it, above Linder, but certainly on par with Brandon Linder. And again, that, you know, for some teams, that would have been a loss that would have been difficult to replace. Uh, you, you have to give Trent Balky and Doug Peterson credit. Brandon Linder retires probably a little early than maybe people thought. 
doesn't matter. They go in the third round. They get Luke Fortner out of Kentucky. He steps right in, and it looks like he's headed to a 10-year career starting in this league, if not more than that. And, and we'll see if you know accolades come for Luke Fortner, but I, I think he's been incredible. There's been no rookie wall for Luke Fortner. I mean, Luke Fortner has just taken a sledgehammer to the rookie wall, at least to this point. He's, he's not out of the woods yet. There's still a month left. But I've been really impressed with Luke Fortner. Yeah, I have to. You know, he's had a few bad games early on, but not that not that you notice the mistakes. He's not snapped one over his head. That's what you notice with the center. Did he snap one over the quarterback's head? Or did he whiff on a block and the nose guard sacked the quarterback? The noticeable stuff, you haven't seen any of that. I mean, in fact, and I'll jinx it now, they'll have four bad snaps on Sunday now that I'm saying this. But can you remember a bad snap all year? No, and I also... And I can't remember. I, I don't remember a bad snap all year. And I can't remember him getting knocked on his tush. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like some of the linemen that they've drafted high, you know, in two the things, last decade. Two things. A, neither do I. B, tush is a great word. Yeah. Okay, that was a great moment in, in Frangie Show history is what that was, I think. And I'm not going to talk about Fortner in this regard, but Linder could not stay healthy. So that is one thing. I don't know that he ever played every snap of every game. So to this point in the season. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great point about about Fortner. Look, I I get so geeked up. I mean, I got it's only freaking Wednesday. You know, this big game. When when they're playing like this, no doubt. Sunday can't get here enough, fast yeah. enough, man. I mean, so how's it only Wednesday? It's the holidays. I don't want to hurry through because I love the holidays. And I love you might as well just camp out there Saturday night. I mean, but, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, when, when you're that, when you're playing that well, you're bummed out that it's only Wednesday. Isn't that weird? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy the way it is. Let's take a break. Let's get to college football, some other stuff after this. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. School may be almost out for Christmas, not quite for summer. But... When you hear that Brooks Beach Sounder, you know that means we are giving some tickets away. Well, we are upping the game today. We have five pairs total of general admission weekend passes to give away to Welcome to Rockville. Of course, one of the artists you will get to see is Alice Cooper, who sings this song. If you want to win the first pair of tickets, be caller number 4 at 641-1010. Caller number 4 at 641-1010. You'll win the first pair of tickets. And then we still have four more to give away. Welcome to Rockville comes up May 18th to the 21st at Daytona International Speedway. Tickets are on sale now at welcometorockville.com. We recommend getting your passes ASAP. Here are some of the bands, Frank, that will be playing. Pennywise, Slipknot, Pantera, Tool, Avenged Sevenfold, who haven't played since 2018, Godsmack, Rock Zombie, Incubus, Deftones, Queens of the Stone Age, Evanescence, and like I said, Alice Cooper. All right, now you said during the break that I may not love the music for Brooks Beats. And then I said, but you'll love the first one. I was just going to say, you think I don't love me some Alice Cooper? Oh, no, I said, but you'll love the first one. You give me Alice Cooper on a Wednesday afternoon on the first coast, Carline? Kidding me? And actually, the third one you might like. Yeah, well, the other, the, the, the band, or you the ju- second one. I mean, the next one, Pennywise. The reason you might like that one, yeah, I don't know, is because it plays after every Jaguars touchdown. Ah, that song that? It, it, in the TIA Bank Stadium, it plays after every Jaguars yeah. touchdown. So that one you may know. You drop Alice Cooper on. You give me Alice Cooper when I'm already in a good mood. That's good. You combine good mood, okay? That's like mixing heavy hardcore drugs and heavy liquor. You give me good yeah. mood and Alice Cooper. <laughs> that's what you just did, okay? Let's let's do it. <laughs> now, Hayes, of those bands, which one is your favorite? Uh, I've seen Tool live okay. in like 1994. Okay. Uh, the old Edge here, they were incredible. Okay. They were. They're probably the closest I've ever heard 
a band to how they sound on their CD yep. to how they sound live. It okay. was remarkable. Uh, and their lead singer has just this unbelievable roar to his voice. It's a, it's amazing. Um, so Tool is great. Um, I'm trying to think who else you said that I... Uh, Quosa, Queens of the Stone Age is really okay. good. Um, so yeah, there's some great acts. Are you a Pantera sure. fan? I'm not a huge Pantera okay. fan. Um, you know, I, it's uh, I've heard some of their stuff. Okay. Uh, Vulgar Display of Power is a, is a great record, um, but it, I'm not like okay. I'm not a huge huge fan. I, I like that they still tour because obviously their guitarist was tragically killed during a concert like 12 years ago, thir- 15 years ago, something I didn't know like that. that. So it's Really cool that they're still uh, still out there touring. By the way, I looked at the Tool songs because I thought I had remembered that you liked them, but the first five that I saw that were the most uh, popular were all explicit. So I said, we'll skip they, those. Uh, <laughs> it'd, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to play a lot of Tool. Okay. Here's, the, uh, here's how you know you're old, that all those bands are too recent for me to know them, yet they're really old bands. <laughs> Just saying. So I got yeah, that no, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> um, the uh, Nick Delatore from uh, Gators Online has a hot board of portal quarterbacks. Ooh. Now, now he we says, got a hot board? Oh, you, you give me a hot board and Atlas Cooper wow. and a good mood. Brooks, and the hell? we get to say portal. <laughs> you get to say portal. <laughs> uh, now he qualifies it. He's not, he doesn't put anybody on the board who's not gone to the portal yet. That Obviously, is a smart thing to Sam do. Hartman and Michael Pratt, he names, are guys who are not yet in the portal. We've all come to believe that those are the – I've come to believe that Michael Pratt is the guy they're targeting. Okay? It is my opinion that Michael Pratt from Tulane – or Tulane, I'm told. A friend, Jamal Sancier, who's from New Orleans, by the way, said it's Tulane, not Tulane. Did you know that? Tulane. Yeah, Tulane. Okay, I didn't know. You knew better than I did. I was at Tulane. But anyway, are they still the there. Green Wave? Yes, they are. Yeah, I had a friend who attended that school. But but anyway, so but but I, I I've come to believe that Michael, in my opinion, Michael Pratt's the guy they're targeting. That, that's what I think. But nonetheless, he said he doesn't want to have Hartman or Pratt in there since they're not yet technically in the portal. Well, I don't like that. So he's still got a hot board. I, I mean, I'll still I'm, take the hot. I'm board. ready for the hot board. Number one guy on the hot board is the guy they say is the number one portal player, Grayson McCall. Who you hate more than life itself. I, I don't want him. And I, I've seen him, like you said yesterday, more uh, targeted for Auburn. Yeah, he, Auburn seems to be where he, where people think he's going to head. Graham Mertz has stopped by. Graham Mertz was – Florida hosted Graham Mertz. How do you feel about Graham Mertz? And that, that isn't happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can just – We don't want I, no I don't, I don't want Graham Mertz. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't even know why they allowed him to come to campus <laughs> unless it was simply to be – the backup to whoever the real portal guy is. Like, uh, if he wants to come and have a chance, like, to be on the team for a few years, and I doubt he does, but, it, you know, if, if I, I would take him to be a backup, but I'm not taking him and handing him the job. So That's harsh. ridiculous. The, uh, the University um, of Florida. How about uh, Devin Leary? I would take Devin Leary. He should be number one on that list. Okay, he's, he's not. He's number two. That's a I've got a problem with this hot board. And I've seen Devin Leary linked to Notre Dame. Devin Leary is really good. And he got hurt this year. And so I think that that threw people off. But he's very experienced. Uh, His, I mean, he looks like an NFL player. When you watch watch Hartman, Mm -hmm. I don't see NFL player. I just see really gifted collegiate player uh, in terms of his mind and things like that. But athletically, I don't know that Sam Hartman has much of an NFL future. 
Devin Leary can play in the NFL. Now he's probably going to come in as a backup somewhere, and, ha- and the dominoes are going to have to fall right for him to ever really get a chance to play. But uh, and, and I think Devin Leary is a smart player. Uh, De- to me, De- I would much rather have Devin Leary than – I mean, to put Graham Mertz above Devin Leary, that, that's malpractice. How about – here's one I know you'll be very excited about. How about DJ Uwe Ungalale? I, I would take him over Mertz. Uh, I, I don't want him at all. I just feel like you've already gone through that season with the guy that you just don't know who, which guy is going to show up. The previous two guys, really, to me. Yeah, and so I agree. And so I, they, this, this addition needs to be more football player okay. than great athlete. Right. And I think with uh, the Clemson uh, transfer – you're talking more about the athlete more than the savvy football player. What about the lefty, Brandon Armstrong out of Virginia? What's I he do for you? Zero interest. He in was him. really good two years yeah. ago. He and fell no, apart. No good this year. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State University. He fits what they'd want to do. He's got a lot of experience. Um, I wouldn't hate it, but I don't think it's where they're ultimately going to have to go. I, I, I think he'd be plan D for me. Yeah, I, I don't love that either. Uh, I... I've seen, by the way, going back to Brennan Armstrong, I've seen him link to Oregon State, who Florida plays in the bowl game on Saturday. Who, um, which of those you want? Who do you want? Who do you want? DJ Uyunglele would not be on my short list. Oh, my God. <laughs> for He's obvious reasons. One of my favorite players. Uh, but also, more, more than just I, the fact go down that he just cost to meet me. Him. <laughs> yeah, more than the fact that he cost me loser Monday, uh, which I actually don't blame as much on him. I blame more on Drake May. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I think... I think he is very similar to the lower end of AR. Like, I think Anthony Richardson has a higher ceiling than DJ does, but I think we'd still be going which quarterback is going to show up, which is exactly what Clemson did, which is why they benched him for K-Club Day. I'm going to give you an unpopular opinion. And by the way, I hope it's not, as a Florida fan, I hope it's not DJ Uyunglele either. But I'll bet you where he lands, he's way better than he was at Clemson. Could be. I'll, be, I'll bet you. I've seen UCLA because like, he's from California. Yeah, kind of like Kelly Bryant a little bit. It was way better. I don't know that the, I don't know that the Clemson offense makes you better. I think Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence were good because Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence are just really good. But I, uh, but I don't know that, that 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 makes you better. Yeah, I can understand that. You okay, Hayes? I'm, I'm, are you okay? No, I'm not, no, because no. I'm not okay at all. Okay, no, I'm not. Because we've mentioned Graham Mertz so many times yeah, in yeah. this segment, he's you know, starting to lose yeah. it over here. I, the minute Graham Mertz got mentioned, I got distracted. <laughs> so the, the Hayes got angry, yeah, and I so, can understand. Um, but but who do you want? Who do you want? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would. I'm with Hayes. I love Sam Hartman as a college football player. I think he's savvy. I think he knows where to go with the football. He's accurate. He's tough. I really like him. Uh, if it can't be him, I'd be open to Michael Pratt from Tulane. I'd be open to even Notre Dame's Drew Pine. I think he would be a guy, or maybe uh, maybe Keaton Slovis. I'd be okay. interested in from yeah, Pitt. I forgot about him. He's in a portal too. Yeah. Um, I would too. I hope it's Michael Pratt. I mean, he's he's number one far and away for me, and the reason is. I don't pretend I've, that I've seen him at all. And I've gone back and on watched YouTube stuff because I hear he's the guy in play. But I think there is so much energy around him that I think he's the guy they really want. And he's the one that everyone seems to think is going to fit them. And he's the one that would, I think, even more than Hartman, for whatever reason, is the one that I think would create excitement in the fan base. I haven't figured out why 
some guy that I'd never heard of till three weeks ago from Tulane would be more exciting, but for some reason he is. Well, you think Billy Napier knows all about him. Right, correct. That's part of it. And that's got to be part of it. And, and uh, number one, Billy Napier watched him play a lot of years nearby when he was in Louisiana. Number two, he probably knows that staff. Number three, the kids from Florida. But I got a hunch, he, I mean, he's a real, in addition to being a really good passer, he's a really good runner. I mean, he's a, he, he might be a really good player, this guy. You know, I, I so uh, he's, the, he's the one I want because he's the one my gut tells me they're going to get. And let me be clear about that. I don't want to misrepresent that. I don't have any insight that tells me he's coming. I just, what I have heard is people that are close to it seem to think that's the guy they're targeting. And that could be all wrong, but that's what they seem to think. So he's the guy I want. I will tell you this. I'll bet Grayson McCall's good. Joking aside, because we joked about it yesterday. I'll bet Grayson McCall's good. I'll bet Grayson McCall's good. I'll bet you don't. You don't. I'll bet he goes to Auburn. He'll be a good player. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, I uh, wish him nothing but the best. But uh, yeah, I, I, I hope it's Pratt, or I hope I hope it's Hartman. Uh, and again, I think a, a wild card that would be out there. Uh, you know, a, a guy that's playing in a late bowl like uh, Pratt. Cam Rising is a player that if he decides to leave Utah, I would have a lot of interest in Cam Rising. Likewise. I same, mean, tough. Same, same here. The same. Experienced. Consistent. Those are the things that I think Billy Napier really needs to be focusing in on. But I get it with Pratt. I mean, he he's experienced. He's won some big games for the his current school. Uh, they're only like a one-and-a-half point underdog to USC, which I was surprised by. Um so, I mean, to your point, think of the excitement in the Florida fan base if Tulane beats USC because the only reason they're going to do – to do that, Pratt's going to have to score 38, 45 points. Uh, if he does that on that stage uh, and then announces that he's entering the Imagine portal that. and then announces that he's going to Florida, there will be a ton of excitement in Florida's fan base for his arrival. But if, but if Pratt stays – and, or goes elsewhere and Hartman stays, or, or he's not staying at Wake Forest. He's made that clear. But if he goes to the NFL or goes somewhere else, if Cam Rising was in the portal, yeah. I, I would. I think that would be sensational. But I don't know. If you're Cam Rising, can you do that? Can you go leave Utah for Florida when you know your first game as a Gator would be at Utah? Yeah. Well, I don't know that you could do that. By the way, the Cotton Bowl between USC and Tulane is January 2nd. That's the Monday uh, and at 1 p.m. So They're locked in. Locked in. Locked Mark in. Mark calendars, skater pins. Watch party. Watch party. That's what I'm thinking. We'll take a break. More in a moment. We're live at Island Wing. This is 1010 XL 92.5 FM. Live here at Island Wing Company on Southside Boulevard. Some company Christmas parties going on because it is the most wonderful season, time of the year. Most wonderful season, of course. As we welcome in Emmanuel Fowler and E.T., better known as, and... When it comes to Christmas and the holidays, you like to take it a step further and be the most generous season of the year. Yeah! <laughs> you know I do. What's up, man? Good to see you. Frank, what's up? E.T.'s in the house. That is, I mean, we, that's a big deal. E.T. stopped by. It's always a pleasure when I get hey, to come on the Frank's show. E.T., he, 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 he produces the morning show. He produces the next show. He probably produces seven other shows. <laughs> the hardest working man in uh, radio. It's good to see you, man. It's it's always a pleasure. I'm just trying to hang around. I know you. But Lawrence, right? You got something cool like going on, don't you? And, and this, there's a reason you're here. Tell people why. So um, this year is the fifth year of my sock drive. Around this time every year, I do a sock drive for the less fortunate. Socks are the least donated, but most requested item by the less fortunate. Okay. And it's something that we take for granted. 
Yeah, socks. Mo- People take socks for granted. Yeah. Everyone's got a pair of socks, right? Every, you know, we take it for granted. I yeah. get up in the morning. If I can't find my other sock, I throw it in the corner and throw yeah. a fit. Yeah. You know, where there's people who, who really needs these things. And so about five years ago, I was walking to my car after a, a fun night out, yeah. and I saw a homeless gentleman who was sleeping on a cardboard box. That's the first thing that grabbed my attention. Dang. Um, but also what I noticed was his feet were poking out and uncovered. It was a cold night, and I hate being cold. So I had a hoodie on. I took my hoodie off, and I covered up his feet. And at that point, I made it, uh, I made it a point. I'm like, I got to do something. So that's when I did the research, found out that socks were the least donated but most requested item. And I got some of my closest friends and family. Um, I, ra- I got about 200 pairs of socks, tied up a nice ribbon, and I went downtown and physically handed them out. And it was 200 just, pair of socks. And I thought I was doing something, Frank, with 200 pairs of socks. Yeah. The following year, we did 500. Then the following year, we did 548 kits. Wow. And in those kits were two pairs of socks, wow. a bottle of water, a washcloth, a mask, because this is COVID, mm. a hand sanitizer, and um, some, a toothbrush and toothpaste, some essential items. Because, again, these are things that we can just get up and go to Target and get. We can, you know, go into our bathrooms and we have a, a, a large supply of this stuff. But we forget that there's people that really don't have access to that. And so by the help of 1010 and all the wonderful people around the city, I'm able to do this. So I just kind of, like, use my platform and bring awareness to that need. Very do, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Do they need to be new socks? Or if I have 50 socks that I'm never going to wear, keep, grab those and, and bring keep, them to you? Keep your old socks, Hayes. Okay. Okay. Right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, I prefer new socks. But, you know, at the end of the day, people have donated on old socks, and yeah. I, I still I use that. Right. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're going to take what, what they can get. Because the outside love is, is where it's at. Ever since the pandemic hit, uh, the help hasn't been getting to them. They haven't been getting any donations or anything. So I'm like, all right, cool. I got something for that. I have a platform. Um, I see what Tom Coughlin, Coach Coughlin does with the, the J Fund, and it, 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 it motivates me. Because, again, that's something that if you're not in that situation with those parents whose kids have cancer and nothing else matters to them except for being there for their children. But in reality, the world don't stop. Mortgage still has to get paid. That's right. Your, your car note has to get paid. Your, everything still has to get paid. And so that's where Tom Coughlin and the J-Fund comes into play because they, they can fill in that gap. Whereas I'm not there yet, but I see myself catapulting to something like that with, with the sock drop. I love it. A couple questions. Adult socks, kid socks, what sizes are we looking for? All socks. All socks. All socks. If you ever take a drive downtown, like, it's crazy what you see. You know, it, it makes me sad because I see kids out there. Right. I'm like, it's, it's 9 o'clock. Why are they in school? You know, I see, you know, females. You know, it's, it's, and I just know that I can't save the world, but I can do my part. Yeah, absolutely. And so then the second question, I know there's a lot of people out there listening saying, I want to go buy some socks. I want to take them to ET. Do you want them to drop them off at the radio station? 1010XL, 9117 Hogan Road. But I also have two other uh, drop-off locations in my barbershop that I'm affiliated. I'm affiliated with two barbershops, um, Vibes Barbering Lounge and, uh, on the west side as well as uh, A Perfect Touch off on Blanding Boulevard in North Park. So, so, so tell us more about how this, the culmination of this thing, uh, other th- the event side of this thing, what else going on? So that, that, that's one of my things. So if you know me, you know I like to have a good time. And I feel like that's my purpose on, on this earth is to make other people smile. And what I've done was... Uh, two years ago, 
someone threw a birthday party for me. All right, and it was a it was a sneaker ball, and you know, that's something different. But I feel like like I like to introduce different things. So, so dress up, but wear sneakers. Dress up. So put your suits on, put your gowns on, but wear sneakers. And it was a hit. I believe the max capacity I was allowed to have in the building was 80 people. 140 people showed up. <laughs> wow. Right? And the people they were like, because they everyone was having a good time. I'm like, you know what? Do your thing, man. Like, All right, cool. Till this day. People are still upset about me because they didn't get invited to the party. Oh. It was supposed to be a private party, but some people found out and they pulled up. They knew who I was, so they pulled up. And so I had this idea to combine the sneaker ball with my sock drive. And that's where this year I'm doing what's called the Sock It To Me Sneaker Gather. Okay. Sock, S-O-C-K, It To, the number two me sneaker gather. And basically it's what you hear. It's you getting dressed, but you're wearing tennis shoes. Now it's encouraged to bring socks, but you don't have to. So if you want to be a part of it, you can purchase a ticket because I, I rent out I rented out the WJCT building. I have a live band. I have a DJ. I got music. I got raffles going on. It's going to be a thing. So come and support a good come – have, come have a good time while supporting a good cause. Wait, now how do people sign up for that? Where do they find information? What are the, what's, the, what's the action step? Frank, that's a great question. Just Google Socket to me. Sneaker okay. Gallery. Okay. You go, go on Eventbrite if you want to purchase a ticket. Okay. Go on Eventbrite, type in Sock It, the number two me, Sneaker Gala. It'll come up. Same thing with the, the, the GoFundMe. It'll, they'll both will come up. And so if you want to come to the event, it's open to the public. I want y'all to come hang out. I want the whole city to come mm-hmm. hang out with me. If, if you can, come through. If not, you can donate to the GoFundMe because all the proceeds are going to that. I have a partnership with the Soulsbacher and other um, um homeless shelters downtown yeah, yeah. like i literally i go down there and i have relationships with them like i, I don't just talk it i really walk it where where, where what nights nice to party friday december 16th from 7 to 11 okay so this well, comes this friday yeah. two nights from now let me, let me friday december 16th from 7 to uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right so it's this friday uh-huh. that's the party you can buy tickets uh you can get them through eventbrite which we've all bought plenty of tickets from eventbrite you can just google socket to me uh, and then you you can get it, and uh, you help a lot of people. Yeah, by the way, if you come, bring socks. Okay, yeah, if you're I going mean, to the, to yeah, the you, sneaker ball. You, you ought to go because you're going to have a blast. Yeah. Bring socks. You don't have to because the, the cost of the ticket, I, I'm going to use those funds to purchase whatever. But, you know, it's encouraged because there's going to be there's going to be uh, Sock boxes. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there are going to be sock boxes. So, yeah, come holler at your boy, man. E.T., this is great, man. I, 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 know how, I know how heartfelt this is. It's a cool thing. And the opportunity to help people is the coolest thing. Absolutely. So I appreciate man. you stopping by, man. Thank Good you. luck. Yeah, I appreciate the Frangie Show. Lauren, Hayes, Frank. Appreciate you. Yeah, Can you give us a come on, somebody, before you yeah, get yeah, out yeah, yeah, here? Yeah, we can <coughs> Come on, somebody. There we go. <laughs> E.T. Thank you, I'm sir. Angel Dallin. E.T., great to see you, man. Back in a moment on 1010 Tennessee on 92.5 FM. To all my friends, present, pass and beyond. Especially those who weren't with us too long. Life is the most precious thing you can lose. This would be Pennywise, bro him. Like I said, the song that plays at TIA Bank after the Jaguars score touchdowns. See, that sounds familiar, Frank. Well, I actually have a headset on, but uh, oh yeah, that's true. So I don't really hear this, but Very good but, point. I, but I think but I, but I kind of like it. It would go in the punk category. Yeah, yeah. Hayes, were you ever a punk guy? Did you ever go to a punk phase? Not really a fate. I, I like okay. some of it. Okay. And I had friends that liked Pennywise and would throw themselves into mosh pits and yep. get the heck beat out of them. And <laughs> that never made a lot of sense to me. Yep. But there's some some of the stuff I like. Why I, on earth not? Yeah, I like the Ramones. <laughs> I like Operation Ivy. Um, 
to name a couple. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, some of it, uh, no effects. Yep, I was uh, '90s punk, so I was more yeah. MXPX, Lagwagon, you a little did? bit of Pennywise. Oh yeah, when I was in high school, yes, I liked music before country. I promise. '70s punk country makes I've, perfect sense. I've never heard you say. I've never known you to say you like. Oh yeah, I also loved. Um, let's see, I've seen another uh, punk band live now i'm forgetting but either way welcome to rockville comes up may 18th through the 21st at daytona international speedway if you want to go we've got two pairs of general admission weekend passes to give away so be callers number two and three right now at 641-1010 gibby will hook you up the tickets are on sale now at welcome to rockville.com we do recommend you buy your passes asap and here are a few of the bands obviously pennywise who we just played rob zombie godsmack tool avenged sevenfold pantera deftones queens of the stone age evanescence alice cooper the uh, the Florida State basketball team's three and nine. Started one and nine. They've lost won a couple in a row, including uh, they rolled uh, Louisville. Um, Louisville, I believe, has not won yet yeah, this season. Louisville's a terrible team. That's shocking. Yeah, yeah, and then they beat South Carolina Upstate. Um, they play St. John's and they get back into the league, starting Notre Dame. Florida plays tonight. They're six and four. They play Ohio, who's I guess about six and four. Whatever. Florida's like a twelve and a half point favorite. Yeah, so um, they should win tonight. So, so let me ask you. If you're basketball, if you're Southern football guy like we all are, if you're Alabama, Georgia, FSU, Florida, Tennessee, whatever fan, Auburn, and your basketball team turns out that they're not any good. I mean, Florida State's three and nine; they'll get the good, the one guy back, but they're still not going to be very good. I don't think Florida's going to be very good. You and I disagree on that. I think they're going to be. I think they'll be under 500 in the league for the first time in a long time. Does it matter? I mean, do we? I mean, we grind if our football team's no good. Is basketball a way to pass the time? Or, I mean, how do you think Southern, football, Southern sports fans feel about that? And play typical football school. I think, school. yeah, I, I do. I think, right. Because I, I think Florida's unique in it. I think outside of Florida and Kentucky and the SEC, basketball being good is simply a pleasant distraction from the end of the college football season to spring practice. Um, I, I, do you think Tennessee and LSU maybe – care a little bit more maybe a little bit okay um, arkansas yeah arkansas missouri cares missouri is probably more of actually so, a basketball so it's school. basketball schools basketball schools care if you've more. had success yeah. in college basketball i think you care more so if Flo- we look at florida six and four like i don't think auburn alabama some of the newcomers that are having success i don't think they really care i mean they're probably having fun with this but if it went away next year i doubt they'd miss right. it all that much whereas i think for florida I think it will always be a source of pride for Florida to try and stay in the top three consistently in the SEC. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, but I think that will always be the goal. I, I don't think the goal can be to overtake Kentucky as right. the league's most dominant program. Sure. But I think to you know be in the top three more years than not is a fair expectation for the Florida Gators. See, I, excuse me, Norm, but no, go ahead. we're only – we're still only nine or nine seasons removed from Billy Donovan's last Final Four team, so it's not that far away. It feels like twenty years. It does, but, but <laughs> the, the, the 2014 was nine years, nine yeah. seasons ago. Um, but I think the further we get away from it, I, I look. You always want your team to be good, but I think Florida has been and will continue to be a middle of the pack SEC team. I there's nothing that tells me. In two or three years, it'll be back to being Kentucky, Florida, and whoever. I, I don't. I want that to be the case. Yeah, I hear you, but I, nothing. And, and by the way, 
I haven't seen enough of Todd Golden to think that's not going to be the case. You know what I mean? I, I haven't seen, oh, boy, this guy's no good. It's not going to be the case. I just haven't seen enough that tells me it's going to be. Um, so, we go make your point. I got another question. I was going to say, I think if Florida is the bottom half of the SEC over the next five to ten years, Florida fans will even stop caring about basketball. Yeah, because they don't they care. They care now because they yeah. know what it feels like. In ten years, if Florida hasn't been to the postseason yeah. very often, it, it, it doesn't matter to Florida, the, the majority of Florida football fans. They're six and four. Let's assume they beat Ohio tonight. They're seven and four. They're ne- Let me give you the next games. Oklahoma. Win. At Auburn. Win. <laughs> hey, didn't – well, that was at home, like right, it. when Florida beat Auburn it. last year? The pupil uh, has taken down <laughs> the teacher. Oh, that's right. Win. <laughs> uh, but, but listen, it's Oklahoma at yeah, Auburn. That's, that's, that's A&M, not easy. A&M. They have Georgia at home, who I think they would beat. Then at LSU, Missouri, who started 9-0. and Then at Texas A&M. Then at Mississippi State. South Carolina. Then at Kansas State, who's got Keontae Johnson, by the way. Then He's Tennessee. Then Tennessee, then at Kentucky, then at Alabama, who's ranked fourth. You get the point. And then at Arkansas, who's ranked tenth, or then home against Arkansas. I, I'm, I don't think they're going nine and nine this year. I think they're going seven and eleven. I think that's and a, and, and, and I might be dead wrong, and I don't have enough evidence to say that. It's just my just my gut. And if they do, I wonder how if Florida fans won't care because. They damn sure cared in the Mike White era. They cared enough to want him fired, you know. So, I just I think you're right, Lauren. I think it'll be, I think the apathy, the apathy I fear, I think I fear great apathy. Hayes, I guess that's, if I'm right, and, and and again, let me be very clear. In fairness, in fairness to Todd Golden, I have no idea. I, we don't haven't seen enough of him as his tendencies as a coach. These players just got there. It's terribly unfair to just guess that they're not going to be a great team this year. That's just a little bit I've watched. But I wonder if I'm right about that, the apathy, the 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 apathy, I think, will be overwhelming. I guess that's the point. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I again, I I think that they're going to end up surprising you. I think Todd Golden is incredibly analytical. I think he's got to have a little bit more data come in, and and I think as it comes in, I think Florida is going to uh, continue to progress. I think they're going to they've got some upside that I don't think a lot of teams in the SEC have, because I think. I think they've got a, a really, really intricate, brilliant coach. And I think it's they're going to be better in game 20 than they are in game 10. And they're going to be better in game 25 than they were in game 20. I just think that uh, I think Todd Golden is going to find the right buttons to push. And, uh, you know, but, but if he doesn't, you know, if, if they go 7-11 and 11 in the SEC, yeah, I don't think there'll be a lot of consternation in the fan base, I mean, you know, I, I, he's going to get three years, I think, right. uh, before anybody remotely is livid about his performance. So, um, but I, I, I don't think it's going to come to that. I, I think, I think Florida found something in Todd Golden that really is special. I think he's going to be a really good coach at Florida, and then I, I do wonder if he's going to be a head coach of an NBA franchise in the next five to seven years. Uh, uh, and so. I think you've got to give this guy time. And, well, of course you do. And, of course. But I, I mean even this year. Like, yeah. I, And I think it's going to be somewhat par for the course every year with Florida with, with Golden. I think because all these rosters are going to be changing over pretty much every year. You may have a few guys that come back. For, but for the most part, the nature of college basketball now is what can you do with a team that you basically just assembled. 
And I just think there's there's so much nuance to to his strategy and his approach. Um, I I think they're going to be a real tough out, and I do think they're going to be a lot better in February than they are in December. And to your larger point, Florida. St- I haven't seen a bunch on Twitter that or heard it from any of my Florida State diehard football fans that they care about the basketball team I, not playing well. Like I it, agree. It, it, has, it is non-existent the, for them the whatsoever. And that, that's a team that Mike could have won a national championship just a few seasons ago before the tournament was canceled. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's Todd Golden's first year specifically to this team. And his style of basketball, we've all had a small sample size at this point, but we think his style of basketball is going to be more pleasing to watch than Mike White's, and so I think there will be less vitriol. Mike White's system, it seemed like all the shooters regressed and they would go on these long droughts, and that's what's so frustrating for basketball. Yeah, I think the most of the vitriol is because they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't, Remove themselves from nine and nine highway. You know they were they were nineteen twenty wins, uh, somewhere between an eight and a ten seed, and, and and Gator fan who all the young Gator fan who knows nothing but Billy thought that was wasn't good enough. I, that, that that's what I think. Um, but we'll see. I hope, I hope Hayes is right and I'm wrong. And again, I want to be clear. That I, I, I just my gut tells me I've watched Tennessee, I've watched Alabama, I've watched Kentucky, I've watched Arkansas. I, I, I have not watched Auburn, but I know how good they are. I don't think Florida can beat any of them. They may fall into a home win every now and then against one of those, but I don't think Florida. I think Florida's going to have a tough time lining up with almost all of those teams. So we'll see. Um, back to FSU for a second. When I was working with Baloo, who knows FSU better than anybody I'll ever know, he told me through most of the years it was football one, baseball two, basketball three. I even challenged him. I said, "Rick, is that really true?" The Florida State fans really care more about getting to Omaha than they do an Elite Eight or a Final Four. He says, yes. Part of that's because they know they're never going to an Elite Eight or a Final Four, and they expect to go to Omaha. But, yes, well, if I'm an FSU fan, my football program just won nine games, probably going to win ten, really looks like it turned the corner and the future is very bright. They're breaking ground on the facility. The, 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 the future is very bright. I can tell you... They just hired a great baseball coach. Uh, they just hired a great baseball coach in Link Jarrett. If Link Jarrett doesn't have them back to Omaha on a regular basis, I would be shocked. So if football looks like it's headed in the right direction, and baseball, I can tell you, is going to be headed in the right direction, to your point, Lauren, they may say, is what it is. Is what it is. By the way, the cheering back, there's, there's a company party back there. <laughs> They're whooping it up, aren't they? They they're, are. They're having a big time, man. That's what you get at Island Wing Company. You yeah, get that, they so. picked the right place, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, so I've seen them take multiple shots. That may add to the cheering. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, yeah, so, yeah, so for me, I, uh, I mean, I'll watch Florida, Ohio tonight. I'll watch it. I'll, I'll, I'm interested in watching. We'll watch some of it here. Um, but I, uh, I just don't get the sense. I just don't get the sense that uh, – it's going to happen for them anytime soon, and if I'm wrong, I'll be the happiest wrong guy of all time. But I think, uh, I think it's a tough year this year, and I'm wondering how Gator fan will respond. Well, and it may be a tough year this year, but I don't think that that's necessarily the product of Todd Golden. That's the product of the way all of basketball works now. If you get transfers later than other people get transfers, if you don't get the right transfer guys, and if Colin Castleton doesn't have the season that the NIL money that he was paid says he should have, then it is going to be a tough year. And he's got to be able to eventually get some recruits and some transfer portal guys. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's really good coaches in the SEC now all of a sudden. 
I think Bruce Pearl's really good. I think Rick Barnes is really good. I think John Calipari is really good. I think the Alabama guy, why am I blanking on his name? Nate Oates. Nate Oates is really good. I think think Arkansas, whoever's coaching them, is it Mike Anderson still? Who's who's Arkansas? No, it's not. No, it's uh, – I can see his face. I can see his face, too. His dad was uh, – anyway, I'm drawing a blank. I apologize on the Arkansas coach. The guy was at Nevada. The Nevada guy's at Arkansas now. Is that Musselman? Musselman. Musselman. Yeah, Musselman, I was going to yeah. say his mom. Eric, Eric don't they Musselman. put his mom on? That's yeah. what I was picturing. Well, I think yeah, he's Musselman. a really good coach. I think Musselman and Oates and Pearl and Calipari and uh, I, I, I did Rick Barnes. I think it's I think it's a loaded league. All of a sudden, it's this loaded league, and I um, and so we'll see what winds up happening. Hope I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. Take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk some more Jaguars football. What if there was no salary cap? Huh, Carline? I like it. What if there wasn't a cap? We'll talk about it after this. Glad you're with us here as we continue along on 1010XL. 92.5 FM. Hayes, how would you feel if they said no salary caps are suddenly illegal and nobody can have one? Good or bad? It'd be great for the Jaguars because you have an owner that's willing to spend, and he's one of the richer owners in the NFL. I think Shot Khan's certainly in the upper quadrant and maybe even pretty safely inside the top eight. Uh, he's not the richest owner in the NFL, but I, I think he's right around top four or five. Seventh. He's seventh. As okay. of August of this year, he's seventh. Okay, so he's in the top quadrant. Yeah. So that, that reflects well. Certainly there's no reason to think that he wouldn't spend. Uh, you know, So you figure that the Jaguars would be somewhere in the top eight in spending. You see it in baseball. I mean, that means that they would probably be a consistent winner. Um, and, you know, certainly having Trevor Lawrence, the, the ability to put whatever you want to put around Trevor Lawrence and not having to worry about a salary cap would be, uh, you know, would be very intriguing. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be great for the Jaguars. It wouldn't be good for the league as a whole. Uh, the Chargers would be terrible. Uh, the Raiders would be terrible. There are owners in the NFL. I think the Colts would be bad. Um, you know, so there would be some teams uh, because of their ownership. Because s- most owners, the team is not their sole source of income. But Correct. There, but there are some teams in which that is primarily the case. And for those teams, they would be bad. I mean, they you would have some teams that just routinely go three and fourteen every year because they can't spend. Yes, for the Jaguars specifically, Shad would open up the wallet and, like he's done in the past, spend whatever he needs to spend in order for the team to win. That part would be great. The one thing I don't love about baseball is, is the championship as celebrated when you're winning just because you spend the most? Well, it is. I mean, I mean the truth is, as much as a small market team guy like me doesn't want to admit that it is, it is. This guy, Stephen Cohen, has made the Mets relevant. And whether and and by the way, I don't begrudge him. I don't begrudge the Mets. That's the rules. Like the know? Dodgers and Yankees winning is like okay, yeah, because they spend the most. It, it, I like you, you, I you, like the parity better in the NFL because it makes it more yeah, difficult. Yeah, and I don't. I do too. But but the reality is, those Dodger and Yankee fans when they win enjoy it every bit as much as if the Rays won. Every bit as much. In fact, more because they expect it. So there's more of them. So, and by the way, I think there should always be a salary cap in every league. 
I think it, everybody should be on an even playing field. It's comical, comical that baseball doesn't have or Like one. you've always said, it's the floor, not so much the ceiling. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But there should be both. Now, I always thought in baseball the big deal was the floor. But now seeing what some of the teams are doing, there, there needs to be a cap, cap too. There, too need, yeah. there needs to be both. But back to the NFL for a second. The Waltons, own, the Waltons are the richest owners. The Broncos are no good. The second richest owners are the Allen family. The Paul Allen Trust and Jody Allen, the yeah. Seahawks. The Broncos just arrived. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they just they're, I mean, Correct. He yeah. just yeah. bought the team. They didn't even hire Nathaniel right. Hackett. Right, right. that's right. But, but another, good, yeah. point, good point. But they are the richest team. Right. The Allens are the second richest. They're no good. You know who's third? The Seahawks have been really good, though. Yeah, not, yeah, not of late, but yeah, they have. You know who's you know third? The third richest owner third in the richest NFL. Third richest owner. Uh, According to, I mean, assuming this pro football network. I, did you count the Rams with the Broncos since Walmart's the... I did not. I did not count the Rams. I'll go Cronky then. He's fifth. Okay. Again, again, according to this pro football network.com. Yeah, probably right. Um, David Tepper and the Panthers. Oh, the Panthers, yeah. The Panthers have the third richest owner, and they're terrible. The Hunt family's fourth, which I never would have guessed, by the way. Yeah, I wouldn't who, have either. Who owned the Chiefs. What? Did, how did the Hunts make their money? They made their money... I, I don't know. They're one of the wealthiest families in America. Uh, blah, 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 I don't know, blah. but I'll occasionally see the daughter's pictures oil on ga- oil Instagram, and, gas. and you can tell okay. that they are uh, some yeah. of the richest people yeah. in the world. Oil, oil and gas, okay. it says here. They went know. to Qatar for the World Cup. Okay. okay. Um, just for fun. Cronky's <laughs> fifth. Jerry Jones is sixth. You, you knew he was high up there. Yeah. According to this list, Shot is seventh. Robert Kraft is eight. Now they're good. Stephen Ross is ninth. They're better this year. But he hasn't been a successful owner. No. You know, so, I mean, he's ninth. The uh, Arthur Blank is tenth. Other than one Super Bowl they let get away, they haven't been good. You know, I mean, so if you think about it, Woody Johnson from the Jets is 11th. They haven't been any good. So, you see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. There's no direct correlation in football to how much money you have and how good your team is. Isn't that kind of bizarre in a way? Yeah, I, I think so. But, again, it goes back to all the teams spend to the cap in the NFL. Correct. Like there is no – That's right. The, the, they did – remember, like, in I think it was in Gus's – it was, like, 2013, 2014. There actually was a minimum you had to hit, and the Jaguars had to sort of work to hit that minimum because they had no talent at all. Right, right. And it was, like, a three-year period that you had to – you had to hit a certain average. And in 2013, they had no one of consequence. So it you know they just decided to strip it down not not to save money but because Dave Caldwell decided I want to strip this down to the bare bones and build it up in in the way that I want it built and so uh, you know but you never hear stories I mean again we're talking almost ten years ago you never hear stories around the league of you know boy the the Chargers really need to spend this off season just to meet the minimum requirement of what the CBA says teams have to get to. Everybody spins to the cap. So, again, to Lauren's point, it's a brilliant system because, you know, the, the Eagles are spending the same as the Bears for the most part. The Bears have a lot of cap space. Next year. I get it. But the point is everybody is basically spending to the cap, particularly if you take it over like a three-year period. The, uh, the, for instance, do you know the, the, the team with the least amount of money, obviously, is the Packers because they don't really have an owner. They sell stock, so so you could be one of the owners of the Packers. So that's their thirty second. You know, thirty first. This shocked me. I would guess Spanos, but uh, the 
Mark Davis. Oh, and Mark Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, he, he's worth $500 million, which is a lot of money. But I can name three people in Jacksonville with more money than that that don't own NFL teams. Right. You know? Well, I mean, again, he didn't. I mean, he, he inherited the team. Right. And his father got in at the ground level of pro football. Right. So, you know, there's, you, you're, you know, you're rewarded for that right. over time. But, yeah, I remember with Khalil Mack, like, there was real concern in the organization that they couldn't afford the signing bonus for Khalil Mack. Right, right. Like, they weren't, like, Mark Davis didn't have, he didn't have the like cash. $25 million to have, give to yeah. Khalil Mack just to sign his name. You got to have the cash. Right. Yeah, and so. Well, the franchise, if he would like to sell it, is worth about $6.5 billion yeah, now. Right, so, so, so if he, correct, would, right. he would like to move along in life, he'd Packer, be fine, just fine. Correct. Packers 32nd, uh, Raiders 31st, okay. 30th, the Bengals. And yeah. the Browns are notoriously cheap. They just went to the Super Bowl, by the way. Okay, the Bengals, yeah, are notorious. The, the Brown yeah. family. No, right, oh, the Brown oh, yeah. family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always confusing. Yeah, yeah. Right. The Brown, Mike Brown, the Brown family, right. who owned the Bengals, are notoriously cheap. They just went to the Super Bowl, 29th. And again, that's going to be fascinating yeah. when yeah, right. Burrow comes due. Right. Jamar Chase comes due. Yeah. Hey. You can't let him go. Right. But I guarantee you, it's going to be right. Burrow and Jamar Chase and <laughs> 50 bad players. Yeah. yeah. All right, hang on. 29th, the Rooneys. The Roonies have less money. The, the Roonies have less money than all but four teams. They're always good. So, so the, po- the point is there's just not a – by the way. The I tw- feel so bad for the Roonies. Tw- 20, 27th, Ziggy Wolf, the Vikings, they may go to the Super Bowl. It's just – by the way, 26th, uh, Amy, Amy Adams, strong. The Titans, they have a good team. So, it's in, so there's not the correlation. I, won- I wonder if you did this. In other cap leagues, the NBA, the NHL, if it would be the same. So there's no correlation to which owners have the most money and which teams win the most, which is just, I, which to me is just really very interesting. I think it's all about the management, who your general manager is and who your coach is and, and how they work with player personnel. Obviously, in the Cowboys case, Jerry Jones is, is involved in player personnel. But usually it's not the owner yeah. who's making the important decisions. It's someone else, and well, so it has nothing to do with how much of the money the owner has. And the, and the interesting thing, back to Shad, not only does Shad have a bunch of money, but to Hayes' point, he's a very willing spender. He certainly, he's never cheaped out anything on that football team. It's just they haven't won. So, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's interesting stuff. I'm glad, there's, I'm glad there's a salary cap. All sports should have a salary cap. I think baseball, it almost seems like baseball finally said, screw it. The, the, I, the luxury, I think I saw this the other day. Give me, get this. The luxury tax that the Mets will pay is higher than some teams' payroll. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. uh, Think was, about that. There was talk. But he doesn't care. Yeah, that's true. That's what happens when you have billions of 70, dollars. Yeah, $76.2 million in luxury tax. Yeah, that, that's more than four or five teams' payroll. <laughs> that's a lot of money to be the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They, uh, they were apparently late last night, there were reports that they were in on Correa and they were going to move him to third base. Yeah, the, the, the media mogul sent me that. The, mo- the mogul sent me that because the mogul wasn't happy with me yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, but he signed with the Giants for 13 yeah. years. Did you guys like that deal for the Giants, 13 years? Um, no, it for no, a 28-year-old. No, no. Well, no, nobody does. But that's what they do now. Albert, that started with Pujols. Pujols was probably 30 when the Angels signed him to a 10-year deal. Right, so somewhere there, right? Give me 28, 29. Yeah. They signed him. Well, everybody knew he was going to be no good. In years seven, eight, nine, and ten, we all knew that. 
but they said they'll, that's what it took to get him, and now that's what everybody does. You sign a guy, you sign a 30-year-old guy or a 28-year-old guy to a 12-year deal. You know he's no good at the end of the deal, but you want to win so bad right now, you don't. Nobody worries about it. So it's totally out of control. But but again, I don't I don't fault the team, and and because it's so out of control, a team like my team probably has no chance, no chance to ever be. You'll have you'll have some three or four year stretches where you where you'll make the wild card or win the division once or twice. But I just it's just it's just an interesting dynamic. I wonder if other sports had that. I, again, I almost wish the, the I almost wish the Jaguars could spend what they. I almost wish we had one one or two uncapped years in the NFL. This is the beauty of, of you as a fan because think of what you just said. You said if everything goes right, right. the best my club will ever have is maybe win a division, right. maybe be a wild card, right. maybe be good for three years, right. and that's it. Right. But you're going to watch 162 games next year. And I'm part of the problem, by the way, because if, if, if people like me quit watching, they, did, they got to have to sell the team because yeah. he loses ass. Like, like the Jaguars haven't been any real good right. you know, in the last ten years. Right. But I've never lost, like, hope that they could stumble into right. and maybe have now a run where they're good for, like, at least five straight years or maybe ten straight years, right. you know, and right. with Trevor, maybe 15 straight years. You're giving right. me goosebumps. You know, I mean, it's just. I, Can it just, you imagine? Yeah. I can't. Like, yeah. Make I, the Jaguars I mean, making the playoffs every year. We don't even have to talk about whether yeah, or not that's going to happen. Yeah. Right. You know the last time the Pittsburgh Pirates won their division Lauren Brooks had not yet turned 10 it was the Sid Nin- Bremier 92 92 wow and one year after that's the last you know, or was it no, no yeah, yeah they, they Sid Bremier that's right they had not that was 10 yeah they no, uh, you had just turned 10 correct yeah. you, just, you had just turned 10 the last time they but, but now I do think they, they I mean 13, 14, 15 they, they were good and in 24, 25, 26, they'll be good. And then they'll suck again for however many years. And 13, 14, 15, they were close to winning the division. Yeah, the, in 2015, they had the second-best record in baseball. Of the 30 teams, they had the second-best record. The best record was the <laughs> Cardinals who were in their division. And who spend more money. Yeah, right. That's right. So, but, but, so, but, the, but the point is, nonetheless, this is more about football than baseball. I just, it's just interesting that football, we just went through the numbers. Net worth of the owner does not correlate at all with how good the team is almost at all it's pretty it's, it's really if you really look at it, it's really interesting stuff second break i want to come back um i want to talk about trayvon walker for a second that's next stay with us this will be incubus a little song called drive we have two more pairs of general mission weekend passes to give away to welcome to Rockville. It comes up May 18th to the 21st at Daytona International Speedway. Be callers number one and two right now, and you will win the final two pairs of passes. And remember to go get your passes ASAP at welcometorockville.com. Tons of bands, Pennywise, Slipknot, Pantera, Avenged Sevenfold, Tool, Godsmack, Rob, Zombie. Deftones, Queens of the Stone Age, Evanescence, Alice Cooper, and a ton more. You'll find the full lineup at welcometorockville.com. But I know everybody who wins the passes today and buys them as well will have a whole lot of fun. So there you go. Uh, you, give me the news on uh, Mississippi State, by the way. Sure. So Mississippi State and defensive coordinator Zach Arnett have agreed to terms to make him the next football coach, according to ESPN's Pete Thamel. He's expected to receive a four-year contract, which he has not yet signed. That's cool. That is. That's cool. We'll keep keep the family together. The family just just 
just underwent an unthinkable tragedy. Keep the family together. I think it's also cool that I saw Creed Whittemore did it because he's from around here, so I'm assuming a lot of the other recruits too. They said, I'm coming. I'm committed to Mississippi State. They just went through a horrible, unthinkable tragedy. The last thing I'm going to do is change where I go to school. I think, I think it's a really cool thing. I think it is really cool. I forget who tweeted the story out today, but did you all see the story of someone said what Mike Leach would do before each game? He'd go into the coach's area and he would study Spanish. That was really funny. Every day for 800 days he had studied Spanish, right. but he never actually learned any he never Spanish. Learned any of it is. <laughs> and I think that's just the classic that, Mike Leach story. It really was. It, it was so, so, but I'm glad I'm glad that, I'm glad Zach Arnett got the job. I don't know much about him, Me too. but I'm glad they kept the family together. It is the right move and I'm glad they did it. So Trayvon Walker has got a high ankle. That usually means you miss a few weeks. Is it your, I know he's day to day. What's your, you got a guess on that? I think he plays. You do. You do. You got a guess on that? I saw a picture floating around Twitter today where he had a boot on. So I know Damian Pierce also has a high ankle sprain. He's supposed to miss. And now different positions, obviously. He's a running back. But he's supposed to miss one to two, maybe three games. So I would not be surprised if he doesn't play. Ordinarily, I would think he's not going to play because high ankles usually take you out for a while. But two things why I'm kind of siding with Hayes on this. A, um, guys that are day-to-day usually try and give it a go. Usually when you say a guy's day-to-day, he tries it. B, you can pick out things you don't like about this guy. But, man, I think he's a tough cat. Yeah, I think he's a guy that would – he's got a little of that Jack Youngblood go play with a broken leg in him, don't you think? Absolutely. He's kind of that kind of – he's got there's some old school in Trayvon now. You, again, you, there's some things you may not like about him and his effectiveness as a pass rusher but or whatever. But there's some old school in this guy now. This is a – Tough-nosed guy raised by military parents. You know, I don't I don't think. It's a home game, so he doesn't have to get on yeah, an airplane. Yeah. That's I, true. That Cisco was day-to-day last I, week, right, and I'm, didn't play? Yeah, I'm Correct. guessing that uh, when it was time for 8-year-old Trayvon to take out the garbage, I don't care how bad a cold he had, mom and dad said, Trayvon, take out the garbage. Don't you get I mean, I get the sense that's who he is. So I, I think. But yeah, I also don't want him to hurt himself worse you know, by playing through a and, high ankle. And they won't let him do that. that. That's on the medical staff, and I don't think they'll they'll allow that. But I so so we'll so we'll see. But I uh, I do believe the more and more I think about it, I'll bet you by next year you see him as a down lineman. I'll bet you by next year you see him playing a different position. Uh, I think Doug Peterson's clearly headed that way with his comments that he made. He kind of right. doubled down on it again today, talking about how explosive he is coming out of a three point stance. I mean, so I. It, it seems like that's where it's at, where this is headed. And make no mistake about this: three, four, not just a four, three. Everyone says he's a four, three end. Three, four. You need you need two good ends in that too. You look at all those great three, four teams. Those ends don't get the glory that the outside backers do because they're kind of tackles that have to occupy. But you're no good if they're not good. You look at the great three, four teams over the years. Those three guys are good. You it, know? It, yeah, and his comp is more Richard Seymour than it is. Like Von Miller, I mean, no question. You know, his, his comp is more no Reggie White than yes. it would be correct. Micah Parsons, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. If he's going to be, if he's going to be great, let's assume we look back in ten years and he's one of the great linemen have ever played. Let's just for the sake of it. He, we will, we won't be saying he was. He turned out to be Lawrence Taylor. We'll be saying he turned out to be Reggie White. Correct. That's that's the point. If he turns out to be great. He's, he's way more Julius Peppers than he was Carl Banks. You know, and, and so, and I, yeah, and I do think that. So I, I certainly th- hope he plays because it does feel like 
a spark was there last weekend when he obviously did change his stance. And this is a tough nose game. This is this is big boy football. Not that they all aren't, but this is a this is a physical. You're t- they're ten and three because they're f- they're not ten and three because they got Patrick Mahomes firing it all over the lot. They're ten and three because they're a physical football team, a physical offensive line, two big, strong, two good running backs. So, I mean, two. I mean, like you said, I think you're the one that said Tony Pollard's probably better. He's probably better than Zeke. Are you the one that said that? He's, yeah. he's probably better than Zeke right now. And has been for two years. Yeah. They just, for whatever reason, <laughs> this has been the year yeah. they've realized it. But if Ezekiel Elliott is your second best running yeah. back, that's a hell of a back. That's a hell of a room. Absolutely. You know? And so, so, yeah, so there's a toughness that there's a toughness that he brings. The other thing is I do wonder what happens with Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd was pretty good last week. You know, he got thrust into action because Chad Muma couldn't go. Well, Chad Muma's full go in practice today. What are they going to do? Start Muma. They'll still start Muma? I think so. Yeah, I, it uh, sounded like Doug said that today. Did that, he, did he that confirm Muma that? Would, would get the nod assuming he's healthy. And yeah. Devin Lloyd did have one of his best games, but Muma will start. And, again, if Devin Lloyd comes on as an outside linebacker, if they do move him, I could live with the Luacon, Muma, Lloyd, and Josh Allen being the, being the four. And Trayvon Walker being one of the three, I think that would be. I think their football team would be good if they played it that way. I, I, I really do. I mean, that's a fast, that's a fast defensive lineman. And, a, and, a, and see, I wonder if Arden Key would be better at that spot than Devin Lloyd. Might be, might be. He's more of a pure pass rusher. Right. But Devin Lloyd's younger. From and, a size standpoint, Devin Lloyd's bigger than Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. I mean, so he can do anything that Ngakwe could do. Uh, so from a pass rush standpoint, yeah, I think Devin Lloyd's plenty big enough. Yeah, so so that might be what winds up happening. We'll, we'll see. Here's what we do know. They tried it this way, and there's some question as to whether or not it worked. Okay, that, that we, they tried it with Devin Lloyd and his inside linebacker, and Trayvon Walker as an outside linebacker. And there's some debate. Uh, it, it's a widely held opinion now that Trayvon Walker is a lineman more than a linebacker is the way to go. Now, how that affects or doesn't affect Devin Lloyd, we'll see. And the other reality is, the real reality that nobody wants to face, and I hate it because I like the kid so much. He's such a good dude. But Josh Allen hasn't affected games very much, Hayes. If you talk about surprises of the season, that might be one of the biggest surprises, is that Josh Allen hasn't affected games very much, almost at all, and I never saw that part. That was the one I never saw coming. It is surprising that he hasn't been more consistent. Had a great game in Nashville, recovered the fumble on the sideline, had a sack. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Maybe that'll, that'll spark Josh uh, in this critical stretch. I mean, the opportunity is still there. If these guys win a bunch of games, they get into you know, the mix for the AFC South, you know, let Josh Allen sack Tannehill twice in the finale is the Jaguar. I mean, I think the book can still be written for – really any player this year but certainly Josh Allen but yeah it's been I think a disappointing uh season to this point um I you know I think it'll be interesting to see what they uh decide to do uh I have to believe he's back next year and you on the fifth year option um you know but so I I think it's I think it's a it's a this is going to be a big month for Josh Allen and you would like to see him play his best football of the season now in December when it means the most. By the way, Devin Lloyd at Utah, uh, just because I know people don't keep these stats in their head, uh, two different seasons had over six sacks. He had like 41 tackles behind the line in yeah, college. Yeah, and, I mean, and he does seem to be a play-in-space guy more than a play-in-traffic guy. He just seems to be that guy. He just seems to be 
a guy that will that will be better at that will be better at that. I, I don't think he'll be better at that. I, I just think he seems to be that guy that that is going to be better running because he can run now. Long arms, athletic, can run. You know, and it's just an easy. It's in terms of twenty twenty three. It's just such an easy move. Roy Robertson Harris probably isn't coming back because of the nature of uh, his contract and how expensive it is and how much they can save by getting out from under it after uh, the second season. And that's exactly where Trayvon Walker would play. So you still have Fadakasi, You still have Devon Hamilton. Uh, Trayvon Walker plays at that spot. Uh, I'd be all for letting Devin Lloyd try that outside spot with Muma and Alua Khan and Josh Allen. And I think you may have something there. Yeah, I, like I said, I think I'd be more comfortable right now seeing Arden Key in yeah. that role against you know, the Cowboys. Because he knows the position. Now. He knows the position. He has experience in that position in the NFL. Uh, and we've seen him do some pretty good things this season. But, yes, as I think long-term, I'd, I'd love to see that uh, from right. Devin. All right, let's take a break. we got one segment to go. Lauren's going to wrap the program today with news and notes. Stay with us. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. News and Notes is brought to you by Doubled Up Sport Fishing Charters. If you've been trying to figure out what to get for your father, your brother, a friend, a client for Christmas, a half-day, full-day, or even overnight private fishing charter aboard the luxury 50-foot Custom Carolina with Captain John Sheffield is the perfect gift. Trust me, you will give them a gift they will never forget. Visit DoubledUpSportFishingCharters.com to book your charter today. Gentlemen, we have not discussed this yet on the program, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Frank, I'll start with you. The NFL is considering ejections for roughing the passer penalties and hits on defensive players as part of a larger discussion to include roughing the passer calls among reviewable players. You know, I I don't like it. I don't like one mistake of getting you ejected from the game like it does in college. And I'm so scarred now. Not scarred with my team, but I've watched so many ridiculous Roughing the passers now, it is so over the top that we've got. So the last thing we need to do is take these roughing the passer calls that are so bad. I saw one the other day that maybe the worst one I've seen at all. The Herbert one, yeah, was really yeah, bad yeah. And, night. and so, and if we if we add to that ejecting the player, I hate it. I think it's a bad rule, and I hope they don't do it. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. It's you know playing defense. I mean, if it's egregious, like something where, like Jim McMahon getting body slammed in the 1980s, then absolutely eject the player. But if it's just a, a normal, in the course of a game, roughing the passer, you can't eject the player for it. The, these teams don't have enough of depth to do that. I mean, I just, I think it's got to be really over the line to warrant an ejection at the professional level. Do you think that reviewing the roughing the passer calls would be a good thing? Yes, yes, and again, the Herbert one's the perfect example. I think we have, we have, we now have. I know, it, I know, it takes longer than people want, but we now have the wherewithal to get most of the calls right. It's a shame we don't take advantage of that. And, and that's a one show, and you reverse right. That the Herbert one the other night literally could have been, the guy would have seen it or girl would have seen it one time and been like, not a flag. Yeah. And so I do wonder if that's what the NFL will pass in the upcoming meetings. There are four weeks left in the NFL regular season, so prediction time for you two gentlemen. I want you to predict the division winners. Some of them are easy. Some of them are not, and I'll compare it to what uh, NFL.com thinks. AFC East. 
AFC East, I, I will say the one. winner will be the Buffalo Bills. Agreed. Yeah. And at AFC North. AFC North, I think the winner ultimately will be the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to go Ravens. And he has the uh, – Eric Edwin-Holmans, who did it on NFL.com, he has the Ravens. AFC South. i got to go Houston Texans. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still think the Titans are going to win the division. Okay. Uh, Titans. I'm surprised by that pick from you. Yeah, I mean, I I still think there's still a lot of work to be done. I mean, there is a lot of work to be done. So, um, yeah, I gotta, I got the Titans really just have to not mess it up. I mean, that's that's where they're at. I mean, look, the Jaguars might lose their next two games, and again, like we said, to rely on the Chargers, and this isn't a knock on this year's Chargers. This is a knock on the Chargers as an entity in sports. To have to count on the Chargers to do anything to help you, you are just begging to be disappointed. And so my fear is Dallas beats the Jaguars on Sunday, the Titans beat the Chargers, and now it's a three-game lead with three to play and probably over. Eric Edholm also picked the Titans, but here's what he said about the AFC South race. Jacksonville is Tennessee's biggest threat. The 5-8 and Jaguars can rue their string of five straight close losses from weeks four through eight, which will likely result in their eventual downfall. But the Jaguars are mostly on the rise right now thanks to a few big recent wins, with Trevor Lawrence starting to look like he's turning the corner. If the Jaguars stay hot, the Week 18 game in Jacksonville, like we've talked about against the Titans, could become a sneaky banger before we know it. But the Jags almost need to be perfect from here on out, and we're not ready to bank on that. The Titans find a way to grind their way to another division title. We'll see what happens. It is well said. Hopefully, he's wrong, and, and both of y'all are wrong as well. AFC West. I gotta Jeez. go. I, I gotta go. Houston Texans again. <laughs> I, I, you really love Damian. I, I gotta stay what I believe in. Uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, I think uh, that's an easy one as well. Uh, the NFC East also, I think, an easy one. Eagles. Um. Yeah, not easy, but uh, yeah. because of the, because of the head start they got, I'll go Eagles. NFC North. Vikings. Yes. Again, he's agreeing with all of these. NFC South. Neither. None of the four. Yeah. I'm vacated. Gonna, I'm going to vacate it. <laughs> I, I guess the Bucks are going to win it. I'll, I'd take the yeah, Bucks. Yeah. That's who he has as well. And finally, NFC West. I guess San Fran. Yeah. 49. That's no one else has. is really. Yeah. St- I mean, the Cardinals and yeah. Rams are yeah. dead. 49ers. And yeah. Seattle seems w- like they're kind of teetering. Gosh, you yeah. were waiting on the Geno Smith right. pixie dust to finally wear off, and it seems like maybe it's starting to. Well, it looked like it was going to be a great division. It's a smelly division. You know? It is. Turn out. It's what stinks. Happened stinks in, bad. Yeah. It's what happened in multiple of them. Trevor Lawrence is the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, he has seven games with a 100-plus passer rating this season, which is more than Patrick oh. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. I'm telling you, barring injury or something unforeseen, the run that son of a gun's about to go on the next handful of years is going to be something the likes of which we've never seen around here and may never again. I, I think we are on the cusp. I think we're probably going to see this team miss the playoffs this year. They dug too big of a hole. If you ask me to guess, I'm going to guess somehow, some way, they're not going to be in the playoffs. But moving forward, look out. 16 is, is, is as good as advertised. And I don't know that it will happen this offseason, but I do think that if Trevor continues to ascend, I mean, the big acquisition is going to be Calvin Ridley this offseason. But let them go 11-6 and six in 2023 and win the AFC South and maybe win a playoff game. 
uh, they will start to become really for the first time in 20 years a place where free agents will take a little less to come to ring chase. And they'll look at Trevor Lawrence as the beacon as to why they're doing that. So that is a big part of this puzzle. I mean, it's it's shocking the 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 veteran talent that some of these contending teams will acquire mm-hmm. for nothing basically, because the players at the end of their career they've made a lot of money, and they want to go somewhere where they believe they can win at a high level. Uh, Jacksonville hasn't been that destination since like two thousand. Now it really has a chance in 2023 and four to start to become that, which is another layer of becoming a championship-caliber franchise. I saw this stat from someone on Twitter named Ryan Michael. Trevor Lawrence scored four touchdowns in three quarters on Sunday, despite two drop passes. He had a 35-quarter stretch last year from November 7th to January 2nd that resulted in one touchdown. How about that? That's how far he's come. By the way, we talked. I mentioned uh, Andre Cisco. He missed the last game, even though he was day to day. He did not have a, a jersey on today that made him non-contact. But Andrew Winger did. I watched the sounds of the game today, Frank, a little bit before you tweeted out, and everyone should go watch if you're a Jaguars fan to relive that awesome Titans victory. Dewey seems like one of the vocal leaders on the defense, so it would be bad, I think, if he's not able to at least be around or play special teams. You know, I'll tell you this. The shame of the Andre Cisco injury is that he was hurt. The good of it is, you know, everyone see hurt, see anybody get hurt. The the play, the inspiration of, and the appreciation for Andrew Wingard never happens without the injury. He's been a big part of this resurgence. He's play, he's tough. They respect him. He plays hard. He goes to bat for his teammates. What Andrew Wingard is doing is really good stuff. I mean, it really is. This is—he's been fun. He's a good football player. He, he really is. He's made two gigantic plays yep. in the last few weeks. Right. The the forced fumble against Baltimore, which you know Tom Coughlin when he joined us raved about yeah. uh, as well. He should. And then the pick last week. I mean, there's a lot of defensive backs that don't make that catch. It's a surprising ball because it was a miscommunication. It's a great point, which you can't count on. And in a split second, he secured the catch. Massive turnover in the game. Uh, I mean, to make two plays like that in the last three games, it, it speaks really highly of him. That's a really good point about the catch. Mm-hmm. That was a hard catch. You don't see – I mean, that was a, that was a, that was a fastball, and, and Westbrook Akine didn't know it was coming, so he kept running. So Dewey had to have the presence of mind to find the ball, even though the, guy, the, the receiver was still running. And it was a high, he had to catch that high fastball in his hands. That's something the receivers have a tough time doing, and defensive backs have a heck of a time. That was a really, that's a great point, Hayes. That was a really hard catch. It was a terrific play. And bear in mind, Dallas can clinch a playoff berth with a win or some other scenarios as well, so it, it certainly will be a very tough game on Sunday. We briefly mentioned it earlier. Florida State will officially break ground on its new 150,000-square-foot football-only facility this Saturday. Yeah, I think after all the ignominious moments that program has had in the last five years, four years, some really bad. That program is turning the corner. They are, they, they are, they, I'm not saying they're at Florida State again, but I think they can now see Florida State in the distance. I think they can see the light. Uh, uh, one of the most intriguing teams in the country next year will be the Noles. I think they're, they're going to have a ton of, of great buzz. I think they're going to crush Oklahoma and Orlando. I do too. And so I think coming out of, of that victory – 
in a 10-win season, it, it's going to be okay. I think a lot of people are going to pick Florida State to win 10 or 11 in the regular season next year and give Clemson everything they want. Again, the game is in Clemson, so that's that's a tough assignment, obviously. I, I Did Clemson finally lose at home? I think they finally yeah. lost yeah. at home this they year, did. right? Yes, and snapped did. that ACC yes. record streak. Right. Yeah. But uh, So that's obviously a great challenge, and it's unlikely to think that Clemson's going to lose two other games in the ACC uh, to for FSU to, to kind of back their way into that, that divisional title. It was South Carolina who got Clemson. That's right. Yeah. So in conference, they still have it. Correct. So, I mean, yeah, that – but I, but I think it is going to be one of the best off seasons that Florida State's had, and you know, probably since 2014. Uh, there's going to be a lot of hype, and deservedly so. Yeah, absolutely. A couple World Cup notes. Grant Wall's wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, said he died of a slowly growing, undetected, ascending aortic aneurysm, which means there was a ballooning in the upper part of the aorta as it comes out of the heart. So no foul play. That yeah. was, uh, and that's good. I mean, and I'm so glad it w- there wasn't foul play. I hate it for granted their family, but it's better that it's not a, a nasty, dirty story. I totally agree. Yeah, like you said, just heartbreaking for his family. And France defeated Morocco today 2-0. So Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I know y'all will not be locked in, but many people worldwide will be. It is the World Cup final between Argentina and France. So you've got Lionel Messi kind of at the end of his career hoping to win a World Cup. You've got France trying to repeat. Their young star, Kylian Mbappe, is, this is his second World Cup, but he's just 23 years old. So you've got two really world powers clashing 10 a.m. Sunday morning. So France is a defending champion? Yes. France beat Croatia uh, four years ago. Wow. Yeah. Is, is, is there sentimental – are people rooting for Argentina because they sentimentally are rooting for Messi? Is that, I mean, I, if it was American sport – that's how it would be. Is yeah, that? I think so, and I think also because a lot of people don't want France to repeat. We haven't had a repeat uh, winner in the World Cup since Brazil in the 60s. Oh, wow. And so is that right? It oh, is, wow. yeah. So I, I think people would rather that, uh, especially if you're a Brazilian fan at all, I think you'd rather that record uh, remain untouched. But, but I mean, I, we, Who will we, be the betting favorite, in your opinion? That's a really good question. I would guess Argentina. Uh, which it's interesting because Argentina won or lost the first game of the World Cup, and so everybody thought Argentina's going to be out. Messi's not even going to be able to make it, you know, any farther in his final World Cup outing. And then all of a sudden, they've played a lot better. So I, I think Argentina, but I certainly we'll see. I'll say this, uh, you know, I'm, who do you think will win, Frank? <laughs> well, I'm about to break it down for you. Um, uh, I'll say first of all, Argentina. Okay. Don't cry for me. Because of the speed oh, on gosh. the outside. Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Been wanting to get to that all day long. I'll tell you this. A serious note, though. I don't, I don't follow soccer. I don't anything about soccer. But I've told you this before. The, how important it is to the soccer fans worldwide is pretty cool. And I think the way, and I didn't know about the France guy, sorry. But I have heard enough people talk about, is it Lionel Messi? Am I saying Lionel it right? Messi, yep. I have heard enough people talk about how important he is to the sport and the history of the sport and the heritage of the sport. Sure. And how many people are rooting for him. That's kind of cool. I mean, it really is. Whether you know the sport or not, I'm, I'm serious about that. I think it's cool. Uh, by the way, I mentioned Mbappe. You said you hadn't heard of him. I want to say that his salary, just to give you, since we were talking about salary caps and everything earlier, uh, I want to get it exact for you all. It While is, she's looking for that, who would I, okay. win a war between France and Argentina? Uh, again, <laughs> Argentina. Would win the war? Yes, yes. So and, and again, my thought on that is, don't cry for me, <laughs> Argentina. Uh, 
Basically, he'll make about a hundred million dollars a year with his contract with really with PSG. This so is this is Mbappe, Kylian oh, Mbappe, wow. who plays for France, who's twenty three. He was nineteen in the last wow, World Cup uh, and played pretty well. So just again, like American dollars as far as our salary cap. I mean, there are baseball teams that don't spend that, uh, and he plays for a, a team in France, Paris Saint Germain. I saw a story that the president of France called him because they didn't want him to leave because he was such a hot item, mm-hmm. of course, as a free agent. But they wanted him to stay, and he did. So really dumb question. Uh, I hope I can answer it. So why isn't he in the the Premier League is not like the head and shoulders it, best league in the world? So it, it, it's pretty close, but there are other ones that are that also have a ton of talent and will pay a lot of money. Okay. Interesting. Who, right. would, win, who would win hockey between France and Argentina? France? I'm going to take Argentina. Are you really? I'm going to say our, our uh, no. two-minute drill no. host will answer that question better than we will. <laughs> the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick Ballou, if France played Argentina in hockey, who would win? Um... Yeah, I'm going to go with France. Okay, okay, okay. European soccer. Your European hockey's better. Okay, I good, good. didn't know they skated in Argentina, honestly. <laughs> no, but they do. <laughs> How are you, buddy? How's things? Good. Life's you good? good. Oh man, everything's great. You kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fired Rick, up, ready uh, to go. Yeah, Rick. Uh, I, we're, America now is wanting to see who you're going to pick in this game after you, after you were the first one to nail Jags over Titans. I know you're not going to give your pick away yet. I get it. But, but, but I, I don't sense that this is a runaway for the Cowboys. How do you see this thing? Well, you can get my official pick. Uh, just dial 1-900. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, back, like back when we did radio in, yes, the, in, yes. in the early 90s, uh, that was a nice little side income. Oh, I'd have, made, I'd have made so much money if that damn Internet hadn't come around. It ruined everything. Um, it, you know, it, it's not. It, this is a really good football team. I mean, they're third in offense. They're third in defense if you look at scoring. Their red zone offense is third in the NFL. They're incredible on their third down conversion rate defensively. They have three guys on the team with more sacks than uh, the Jaguars leader, than Dewan Smoot. And so no matter which way you look at it, um, it favors Dallas. And, and here's the one component, and I believe we touched upon it on Monday. Man, they just barely got by Houston. You would have loved to have had this Dallas team win 45-7 and kind right. of down-looking the trip here uh, to Duval, but they didn't. They needed a 98-yard drive. They won by the skin of their teeth. i got to imagine the media and the fans are probably on them a little bit this week, so their eyes are open. I don't feel especially good about Jacksonville. On top of that, this is the injured, This is the most injuries they've had to deal with yet this year. Uh, they've been incredibly healthy and the injury report that came out about an hour ago is not good for the Jags. But we'll see. You know, I'm going to put it in the lab, let it uh, register tonight, <laughs> tomorrow, and Friday, and uh, I'll make my pick then. A lot of that coming up tonight. What All else? All of that. All of that. A little bit of college ball as well, but we're going to be busier here over the next couple of hours. All right. Thank you, Rick. Rick Ballou goes into the night. That'll do it for our program. Remember, tomorrow, about to 2 o'clock, our final show of the year that is live from Blue Sky. Boy, David and our friends at Blue Sky are such good folks. I uh, really, really like those folks very, very much. We'll be out of Blue Sky tomorrow. We're out of here. Don't go anywhere. Rick Blue is about to go into the night. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Franzi. So long.